Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Free Nintendo. This is uh, number 439, and I'm your host one last time, Mr. Jonathan Metz. Joining me as always are James Jones. Yo. Guillaume Veillette. Oh, what's even the point? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Why are we hey, in here? Nihilism is my thing. You step <laughs> off. And John Lindemann. I'll be here next week, everybody. Not like some people. <laughs> mm, yes, you're you're not the quitter. Uh, so yeah, this is my last episode, and uh, we're we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. We've got uh, some good stuff planned. Uh, of course, we're gonna be talking about Blaster Master coming up later in the Retroactive Junior. I'm gonna make you stick with that name, James. My last my last act. Hey uh, hey, but, who's uh, the producer here? Get them all in while you can while you still can. I mean, because we yeah. can take shots. We can take shots kind of... forever while you're gone, so that's fine. James has some kind of awful mystery game or or games I don't know coming up, uh, but uh, we're going to kick off new business. And <laughs> since it's my awful? last show as a regular, I'm going to go first. Uh, so I- I'll start off talking about uh, a Nintendo game. Kirby's Return to Dreamland is out on the Wii U. Um, it's, uh, it's probably one of the least played Kirby games cause it came out on the Wii in 2011, uh, which is a bad time to release a Wii game. And, uh, it's been rather expensive, uh, ever since then. It was full price, obviously, uh, on the retail shelves for a long time. And I think even secondhand copies are pretty, pretty pricey. So, um, Guillaume had, had recommended it. Um, I think probably the last time it was mentioned was when I was talking about Kirby Triple Deluxe last year, which I loved. And Guillaume was telling me that it's, uh, you know, it's a natural evolution from Return to Dreamland and that I should really check that one out, too. So I've been kind of keeping my eye out for it. And I was delighted, surprised that Nintendo uh, released this as a, I guess, quasi virtual console game. I mean, it's a Wii game. So however you want to treat that. But it was 20 bucks, which I feel like is, eh, you know, I mean, for most Wii games, I'd say 20 bucks is maybe not worth it. Um, but, uh, this is such a late Wii game. It's such an advanced looking Wii game. And, you know, to buy a physical copy of this would cost me far more than $20. So I was actually pretty happy to have the opportunity. So downloaded, uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland and just played, uh, through the first world, uh, maybe a couple extra levels beyond that. So I got a taste of it. And, uh, I'd say, so far, it, it does remind me of Triple Deluxe. I mean, I, I don't know if the levels are going to develop into quite the level of, uh, of, uh, you know, ingen- ingenuity that I saw in, in Triple Deluxe. Um, but so far, you know, even the early tutorial kind of easy stuff has been interesting and fun and there's some neat twists on it. Like, uh, there's, uh, sometimes you'll find, uh, these kind of warp holes, like rips in space time. Uh, that are star shaped and you jump into those and it takes you to another dimension where everything's in black and white and there's this wave of nothingness uh, chasing you and so you have to keep running forward as fast as you can and usually there's some kind of uh, mini boss at the end of it and if you beat it you get these you get these collectibles called energy spheres even though they just look like mechanical cogs like gears but they call them energy spheres for some reason. Um, so anyway, I mean, they're important collectibles to unlocking some special uh, bonus levels and challenges and things. So they're they're fun to get. I mean, it's, so far, the secret stuff has been pretty easy to find, but um, it's worth finding. Uh, the rewards are good. And um, the powers are fun to use. I mean, it, it definitely – it does the same thing as Triple Deluxe and Superstar before that where um, even the kind of traditional Kirby powers like Beam – 
have so many different things you can do. Uh, and a lot of them aren't apparent at first. Some of them require you to charge it. Sometimes you have to uh, shake the Wii remote or alternately you can like kind of circle around the D-pad while you're holding a button down. So you don't have to use the motion if you don't want. Um, you know, other things you can only activate when you're like really close to an enemy or when you're like dashing and jumping and holding down and you hit the attack button. Some of the yeah. some of the moves are pretty specialized and, and maybe not super useful, but they're fun to to mess around with. Yeah, and, it's uh, not it's not Street Fighter Two, but it, it kind of tries to be at times. Like yeah, I mean, moves. I have yeah, right, yeah. I mean, it's like uh, you know when you get sword, it's it's like man, I can kind of launch myself upward. I can do a down thrust. I can charge it up and shoot a beam out. You could do a lot of different stuff, even with seemingly very basic Kirby abilities. So that adds a lot of depth. And even when the game isn't very challenging, you know, like in the early levels. Uh, it, it kind of gives you a lot of different ways to kind of creatively take out these enemies and, and get over the gaps. Um, so I've, I've had fun messing around with that stuff. Uh, and I'd say, yeah, if you like Triple Deluxe, you should check this out. Or if you like this game, you should check out Triple Deluxe for sure. Um, one, one thing I wanted to comment on it, because, I mean, look, it's, it's a pretty, so far, it's a pretty standard Kirby game. There's not that much to distinguish it from, from most other Kirby games, except that, it is so beautiful. I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm really kind of amazed by the graphics in this game. I mean, even though it's just a Wii game, it's in standard definition. If you just glance at the screen, it looks like it's in high def. It looks like it's in high resolution. It, uh, it's pretty indistinguishable from most Wii U games, I would say, and that that's pretty amazing. So um, I, I don't know if they're doing any kind of filtering on it, but I really doubt it. I don't, I don't really think Wii U is capable of doing that for Wii games. So I think this is just the way it looks. Um, and of course, you know, you have the luxury of HDMI on the Wii U. That's something that the Wii never had. So that helps a lot. But, uh, the game is just incredibly beautiful. So I think, uh, if you're a Kirby fan, you should absolutely check it out. And now it's, uh, it's easy to get. It's easy to, to have around on your system. So definitely, uh, check out, uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Also, it has the four player support, which I don't know if I'll ever really get a chance to use, but, uh, that's a nice feature that obviously you won't get in a triple deluxe on the 3DS. Unfortunately, like most Kirby games, uh, the, the difficulty ramps up a little bit too slowly. It doesn't really get that mm -hmm. difficult until the last world. And then when you finish it, of course, there's a hard mode, which does change up things quite a bit. But at that point, you've seen what the game looks like, right? So it's, I kind of wish that they would unlock the hard modes uh, right away so that people could just yeah. jump into that uh, right away. But um, yeah. also one thing that you want to check out that you might not, like... You know, like it might not seem all that interesting is the different challenges that you unlock when you, you collect the doodads, the uh, energy spheres. Um, you unlock yep. these uh, challenge rooms for specific p power ups and you have to be absolutely perfect in them and use the whole repertoire of, uh, of moves um, to get a platinum medal. Uh, for each of them and it can be really really fun really frustrating uh, in a good way you know like uh, immediately when you mess up oh shit you pause you restart and then you try again um, so maybe you know like it might be too much to try to do all of them to perfect all of them but uh, try try to go for a couple of them they're, they're, they're pretty fun why would you want to platinum these uh, just for fun for bragging okay. rights I don't know why would well, you for play bragging, zero get to brag against all well. your Kirby playing friends. <laughs> just just for fun, you know, like, uh, why do you play F-Zero game? Why do you play uh, well, they don't something exist, insanely so I can't. difficult? Right. 
Sure, sure, sure. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I I unlocked one of them uh, with a sword, and I thought the challenge stage was a lot of fun. I mean, like you're saying, it's it's nice that the whole level is designed knowing that you will definitely have the sword, and mm-hmm. so it really asks you to use all the different moves that you have within that ability, um, and to com- combine them, and and it kind of gives you a sense of what's possible with these different abilities. So I, right. I mean, I enjoyed it from that standpoint. I don't think I want to like play it over and over again to try to perfect it and get the platinum medal. Um, mm-hmm. That's something I might have done in my younger years, but nowadays I'm just like, uh, I'm glad I got to try it out, you know. Um, and they're they're a little more um, intricate and a little more challenging than the normal stages. So for me, that's enough reason to unlock them and play through them at least once. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was pretty happy with that feature um, that I got to I got to see a little bit of it so far. So um, the other thing I, I want to talk about this week is Rare Replay. Um, and uh, this is the main reason I bought an Xbox One. Uh, this and, and the upcoming Rock Band 4, um, which will let me access all my old uh, Rock Band 1, 2, and 3 uh, you know, downloaded songs, which are number in the hundreds. So um, I'll, I'll at least get a guitar and, and jam through some of that stuff for fun uh, this fall with Rock Band 4. But... Um, the other big tipping point was at E3 when we found out that they were doing this rare replay collection, and uh, I was really excited for um, the you know the packaging, the, the the selection of games that they have in there, the fact that you know TYP and I got to play it in Microsoft's booth at the show, and uh, we played Snake Rattle and Roll two player for like 20 minutes, and we did some Jetpack Refueled, and we played RC Pro Am two. And a few other things, and we were really both very impressed by the emulation, by the the options, the bonus features, the stuff like that. Um, and so that really gave me a lot of confidence that uh, Rare was going to do a good job of this. And uh, and, and then I was reading the reviews uh, earlier this week, uh, right before the game came out, and um, I think it was Stephen Tatillo at, at Kotaku mentioned that uh, Jet Force Gemini had some really wonky controls because they had sort of very directly mapped. Uh, the N64 controls to the um, the the Xbox uh, joystick, so you were like pushing up on the right joystick to jump, and a bunch of other like really awful stuff like that. Um, and uh, and he mentioned in the review that Rare had said they were going to patch it, and I guess they've already done that. I haven't tried it for myself, but um, even this, you know, the game's only been out for like three days now, and they've already patched Jet Force Gemini. Which is it's kind of a hilarious concept if you think about it that, that yeah. they patched this game from 1999, I think. Well, yeah, um, it's not so impressive. I, they waited 16 years to patch it. Like, come on. <laughs> well, the funny Dude. thing is, Jet Force Gemini is a game that even back in the 90s when you played it, you thought, "Man, I wish they could update this and just tweak a couple of little things. It would be so much a, a better game." Um, and so I'm the controls were always wonky in Jet Force Gemini. I mean, that it was one of the first ever third-person shooters, and the N64 controller just wasn't all that well-suited for for that style of gameplay. So now that they have true uh, dual joystick, you know, independent moving and aiming uh, in the game, uh, I'm really excited to see how it plays and whether it's still fun and, you know, whether that's something I want to spend more than 10 minutes with. I, I suspect that I will. I mean, I played the shit out of it back then. But uh, in general, you know, the the main reason that I wanted to get Rare Replay is for these N64 games. I mean, you've got Blast Core and, and both of the Banjo games and uh, Jet Force Gemini and Perfect Dark and Conker's Bad Fur Day. So that's, what, six N64 games? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and and they're all here. And uh, the emulation is very impressive. So far, I've only played um, 
Blast Core and uh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. They both look amazing. They they're definitely doing a lot of filtering on this. The uh, the the textures look much better than they did back on N64. Uh, and and the edges are they're doing some ali anti-aliasing so the 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 edges look sharper and uh, overall I thought this is the best looking in 64 games I've ever seen hmm. uh, and and I, I was really happy with that they control well uh, they sound great and you know people often talk about you heard this a lot on on the Wii actually about how Nintendo uh, their games looked good despite the low resolution and the lack of HDMI and stuff like that because they have the strongest art design. Um, you know, with games like Mario Galaxy, they, I mean, those are technical showcases anyway for the hardware that they're running on, but also they just look amazing because they're designed well. And that kind of elevates them above a lot of the, the other things on the same uh, hardware. And Rare's games on N64 were exactly the same. And so even now going back, you look at a game like Blast Core and it still looks good. Even though it's blocky and you know chunky and and it's very in, it's very much an N sixty four game. In fact, it's an early one, mm -hmm. but Rare's design aesthetic really shines through, and especially once they add a little bit of filtering to clean up the look of it. I think that game still looks great. And by the way, it's incredibly fun. I mean, both Blast Core and Jet Force Gemini. This is the first time those games have ever been re released since the late nineties when they first came out on N sixty four. And yeah. I played so much of those <clears throat> games. Yeah, I want to so, play Blast Core bad. Oh, um, dude, Blast Core is such an amazing game. I think Rare Replay is worth buying just for Blast Core. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, bucks, I, I came, I'm not even being facetious. I totally think it is. Yeah, I came this close to buying Rare Replay. I held off on it because I have other stuff I'm buying, but I'm right there. Well, uh, right yeah, there. I'll, I'll come back to that later, John, a little, mm -hmm. I'll, to give you a little foreshadowing. But I, I, so far, everything I've played in Rare Replay, I've been extremely impressed by. I think the uh, the wrapper that they put together to, you know, the menu to let you select which game you want to play is very slick. There's this amazing, goofy, like perfectly 100% rare intro uh, where all the rare characters, and I mean all of them from all of these games that are represented on here from the past 30 years are doing a song and dance number like at the beginning of the Oscars. <laughs> they're on a stage, there's a curtain, they're like they're standing on the stairs and they're waving their arms and they're singing this goofy goofy thing. Uh it, it's just perfectly rare and and like I, I my I mean my face lit up when I saw this and I thought this is the rare that we've been missing ever since Microsoft bought the company. And, and it really feels like they're back, that they understand why people love them in the first place. They're proud of their heritage. They're proud of these games. And they've really done a lot of work to make them look nice, to make them easy to play, to make them affordable and, uh, and accessible, and to introduce them to new audiences. So you know, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with about half the games on this collection, and the rest are completely new to me. And, and I'm equally excited to uh, to try the new ones as I am to go back and, and replay some of my favorite old ones that I haven't touched in so very long. And, and you know, they've added uh, achievement system, basically. I mean, there are literally achievements, but also there there's some stamps that you collect from doing certain things in the games. And uh, those unlock featurette videos and music and uh, like old concept art. There's some there's some videos of unreleased, unfinished rare games that they never did, like Cameo 2. Uh, there's something called Sundown, which is some kind of horror game that they that they canceled. So it, it's it is just a museum of of rare games. Of course, 
the majority of them were for Nintendo systems. So uh, that's why I'm talking about it here. That's why I wanted it. Um, obviously, you don't get any of the Donkey Kong stuff, uh, but almost everything else that they've worked on um, is on here, including amazing stuff like RC Pro-Am and even RC Pro-Am 2, which is the super rare NES game that I'd never played before uh, before I, I tried it on this collection. So right. I, I think it's, it's, it's an incredibly impressive package. Uh, I've barely scratched the surface of it, and I'm going to be playing it for a very long time to come, and I feel completely validated in buying an Xbox because... I mean, th this game might as well be called Rare colon the the instant backlog, and yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm I'm so very happy to see it. I I think I think when you see the way this stuff is put together and just how much content you get for your money here, it really kind of makes Nintendo's approach to Virtual Console look pretty terrible. Uh, yeah. I think they really they show up, and you know it it it, it it's worth repeating. That Kotaku, the same guy, Steven Totillo, also pointed out that as, as of this collection, Microsoft has more N64 games on Xbox than Nintendo has on the Wii U. And, and that says a lot about Nintendo's yep. approach to, to this whole thing. And, and these games are, are not put together in a sloppy fashion. In fact, they're, they run much better than virtual console releases do. They look much better. Uh, they have much better uh, packaging, much better interface, uh, all the bells and whistles that you could possibly want. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled by it. Um, I guess um, I could also, yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to ask, uh, if you remember, like not only the Wii U, uh, didn't have the Donkey Kong country trilogy for a long time, but they also, mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo had withdrawn those games from the Wii virtual console. I'm kind of wondering if something happened, like if they had to make a deal with rare to put them back on and like maybe the deal. Uh, involved like th this compilation somehow, you know, like Rare needed some rights, Nintendo needed some rights, and they came to some some kind of trade. Accord. Yeah, well, that's I interesting. I, I I like the theory. Uh, well, I guess uh, very very quickly, I'll also mention that uh, our friend Ty Sugart from the Famicast uh, uh, gifted me a code for Killer Instinct on the Xbox. This is the new. Killer Instinct. You also get Ki Gold. Actually, that's an in, that's seven in sixty four games in the collection. That is in rare replay. Um, but this is the uh, the somewhat free to play or at least free to start uh, modern version of Killer Instinct uh, that's on Xbox One. And uh, I didn't have that much interest in in this, but Ty offered me a code for it that unlocks all the premium stuff. And I said, sure, man, I'll take it. I'll check it out. Um, I played a, a few story matches with Fulgore, who used to be my favorite character in in, uh, in the in the old Killer Instinct games. Uh, he still works mostly the same way. It seems like it plays, you know, to to my layman's uh, perspective. I, I'm not into fighting games really, but it, it seems similar to me. Uh, and then I went online because uh, Ty also mentioned that Rash is available as a preview character for the upcoming season three. Uh, and, uh, and, and when he said rash, I had no idea who he was talking about. It didn't click with me that rash is one of the battle toads. Yeah. So there's a battle toad in killer instinct. Now Microsoft uh, has lost all sense of irony about battle toads at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you but guys you really know care what? about battle toads, right? You want to battle toads? about battle toads. We made a big giant statue of battle toads. Look at battle toads. Battle toads everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't seem to realize that Battletoads is not that great of a game we, in the first I, place. We but. are two E3s from the guys who made DMC from having like an Xbox One exclusive Battletoads character action game. <laughs> who knows? Who knows, man? Yeah. That that could happen. I don't know. I mean, Battletoads yeah. is obviously super goofy and, and very 90s. 
Yeah. But I think the character looks good in, in Killer Instinct. I, I didn't, I mean, I played like one match. I had no idea what I was doing with him, but I thought it would really kind of clash with the style, but I think they've actually oh, done no. a pretty good job. Yeah, and Killer Instinct I think, is I think he fits right in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed the, I went through the, the training because I remember when you came down, we actually um, downloaded this um, when, when Johnny visited a while back. And, uh, you know, I kind of spent a little bit of time with it and I went through the, the training and I got up to the point uh, where you're doing combos and shadow combos, I think they are. And they're oh, yeah. pretty they're pretty tough with the Xbox One controller just because you can't separate the inputs enough. So the D-pad is not amazing exactly. on, on that controller. Yeah, yep, it's not at all. But it's it's I, I much still, better I like on the, the Elite if you got 150 bucks. The yeah, D-pad's yeah. pretty good on that. Yeah, guy. yeah, you know, money solves yeah. all problems. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know. But yeah, Johnny, I'm not sure if uh, like a giant frog really fits with a skeleton and a freaking guy made out of lava. And uh, <laughs> you, you leave know. full gore out of this. <laughs> Fulgore, isn't that the uh, He's the, 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 the robot? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's just, the, I mean, they come from different places because Killer Instinct came from, like, you know, super garish 90s CG art. Yeah. And Battletoads was a, a hand-drawn cartoon comic book style game from five years before that. And I think they've, they've converged the styles in, in this new game close enough that they don't stand out against each other. And that, that was kind of surprising to me. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looks good. Um, so I, it makes you wonder what other insane characters they might throw in there. I mean, rare alone have tons of characters that could probably fit right into killer instinct. I don't think they would go so far as like conquer or something like that, but you know, you could imagine Joanna dark or I don't know, something like that could, could pop up in there. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about killer instinct i've played it i didn't know what i was mashing buttons but it, it was fun to look at it was it was neat so uh I'll, i might i might check out a little bit more of it but uh i definitely won't be playing against ty because that that sounds like no fun for me and too much fun for him <laughs> <laughs> ty's like one of the best players in the world actually so i'll be staying far away from him anyway uh let's move on to guillaume Sure. So yeah. So as you noted last week, uh, as a Canadian, as a Canadian, I get like uh, sixteen weeks of vacation. So I used one of them. You um, get sixty-two weeks of vacation. <laughs> Freaking Europeans. Yeah. So um, I, I I spent last week. Uh, the in-laws had rented a cottage, and they had rented it before, uh, and they they told me that there was a GameCube there. So uh, first, like I dug up my, my GameCube collection. I realized I didn't really have any party games, surprisingly. Like I must have gotten rid of all of my s multiplayer stuff. I only had the uh, WarioWare micro, uh, Mega Micro Games. Um, <laughs> but uh, thankfully, when, when we got there, like I, I had brought a couple of controllers and uh, they had a pretty good collection. Um, it was kind of interesting to just like, come into like some some somebody else's cottage and see like dig through what they had and kind of try to picture what kind of Nintendo fans they were you know <laughs> not I, I judging kind of at all no Did no you wrestle like, through was... their underwear drawer while you were at it <laughs> I was like ah oh, they, they don't have the like, they, they, they were suck. empty unfortunately um <laughs> but uh so yeah no like they had basically all the Mario sports games and all the more uh, couple of Mario party games and uh the Polar Express for some reason um <laughs> Oh, I'm boy. guessing that the the only Zelda game that they had was the Zelda Collection, 
Um, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe these guys are not so much Zelda fans, and this must have been the bundle. Maybe that's when they got their GameCube. They got it with the, they got this collection with their GameCube. Um, and yeah, like then like Need for Speed Nitro. So I was kind, of, uh, wow, you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, okay, so maybe younger brother Polar Express and older brother had the Need for Speed. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's kind of fun. And, and Brawl was surprisingly absent, but they had Mario Golf. So hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really quite figure the, these guys out. But uh, it was fun. They also had Double Dash, which I had never played. I've never played so, it either. That that's basically never uh, played Double Dash. Nope, never owned it. Never played it. Yeah, well, the I, I guess uh, if you want to know a secret, um, I used to hate Mario Kart. I really huh. used to think that it was not a good series. But now you just know it's, it's not a good series. So you're good to go. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, Mario Kart 64. I kind of skipped. I didn't have the the console, and I didn't have that experience of playing multiplayer and uh, the single player. The little that I played of it, I remember not really liking it. Yeah. And then when Mario Kart DS came out, I kind of enjoyed that. But then the snaking came into uh, into play, and you know, I sold my copy in disgust. I was like, "Wow, this is really not my idea of fun." <laughs> um, your your protest is noted, Guillaume. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a terrible one to really get involved with it on. So, yeah, when Double Dash came out, I was like, you know what? I don't need to buy every Nintendo game, and uh, I'm going to start by not buying this game right now. And so I never checked it out before. Uh, but I, some people swear by it, so finally played it in multiplayer. I, I started playing uh, co-op with Karen, and at first it was a little bit confusing because I, I had no idea. I didn't have the manual, so I couldn't figure out exactly how the co-op worked. And so little by little, like we figured out, oh, okay, so the uh, one person uh, steers and the other person is in control of the uh, the, the, the boosts, the, the drifts and the boost, you know, like it's not the person driving who, who wiggles the joystick to, to kind of create the sparks to, to create the boost. Um, it's the other person, you know, and then mm-hmm. we realized, oh, wait, like, so the second player can kind of um, use the shoulder buttons to do a side dash and sometimes kind of steal the items from other players. That's pretty cool. Yeah, You're getting it, man. You're getting why it's awesome. Yeah. So lots of cool stuff. And and I got to say playing co-op, like that's absolutely a new experience for, for any racing game. So yeah, like I was having a ton of fun, but unfortunately the, uh, the memory card that they had over there was corrupted. I had brought my own and I decided, okay, so I've got three circuits here. It's not enough. It's like 12 or, or 16 maybe um, courses. Uh, I, I just, I, you know, I want more than that. So I, I set out to unlock the different cups and I realized, oh, wait, no. The single player is still as bad as it's always been. Because <laughs> while 50cc was pretty fun and pretty manageable, uh Immediately when I tried playing 100 CCs, uh, I, I just the, the the tracks were just littered with items, items all over the place. You know, people throwing way too precise green shells, and of course, like every character has its own secret weapon. So giant banana peels and giant Bowser shells, just 
I don't know, it, it made it for a really, really frustrating experience. It was not really uncommon for me to get hit by like three, four, five, six items, one after the other, you know, without being able to do anything about it. There were some cool stuff, like I, I noticed that sometimes I, I managed to evade blue shells, and I'm not quite sure how I did that, like I guess like a well-timed boost made it possible, and it's not really something that you can do in, in more recent Mario Karts. So I, I think that maybe I would have enjoyed it with more time, with more practice, but uh, yeah, the, 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 the kind of the overabundance of, of items on a track, like I, I kind of went from, oh, okay, so Mario Kart is pretty cool, to Mario Kart is really, you know, Double Dash is not really, like, I, I'm glad I checked it out, but I, I went from a really high high to a really like, oh, wait, oh, Mario Kart kind of used to suck. Send your emails to well. I mean, the, the, the thing about the, the single player is that it's way more fun with someone else playing with you. Yeah, that would make that, it That's the only one of the games that you can actually do that with, and that's yeah. why, you know, a lot of us really wish that Nintendo would at least give you the option. I mean, it's a lot of work yeah. to, to build out those two-player carts. I'm not saying it's a trivial feature to add, but it really adds so much, and if you've ever gotten mm. to try it for yourself... You get why it's it's different. It's significantly different, and and it's oh yeah, it's the best way to play that game. Um, my my friend Taylor and I used to play through the Grand Prix over and over and over again in two player, and he would always want to be the character in the back using the items and uh, right. and and just like assassinate all the other characters. I mean, he just got really <laughs> good at it because he didn't have to think about driving. He's only right. focused on the combat. And, uh, and, and, and he, that let me really just focus on the driving and I could trust him to just take care of everybody else. And we were a pretty good team, you know, and, and it feels really good when you really work together and you pull off some crazy stuff. Um, but I, you know, you were talking about, you know, trying to open up more tracks. I don't think there's that many tracks in the game. I mean, 16 or 20, maybe at the most. Uh, Aren't there was... like retro tracks or? No. No, no. That started in DS, which was the next one after that. Right. I mean, th this so, game does not have a lot of tracks. It's I, not I a think... massive game. No. I mean, Mario. Right. The the idea of Mario Kart having tons and tons and tons of tracks is a more modern development. Hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would so love if they I... went back and made a Double Dash two one day. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Quadruple Dash. That that or or just uh, <laughs> if one day they add um, eight, eight you know uh, yeah if one day they add GameCube. Uh, games to their virtual console, then, you know, yeah. sure, I, I would download it. And if they manage, since this game was compatible with the, uh, the LAN adapter, maybe make it online? Alright, whoa, no, now you're, you're asking too much. You just, yeah, probably. <laughs> you gotta dial that back. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, the code for that stuff actually wasn't that great. So e even over a local network, it didn't, my recollection is it didn't run that smoothly. Um, mm. and, uh, it, it's not trivial to, to make, to take that online, but it's a game to me, it screams for a remake. Yeah. I, th I yeah. think this is the only Mario Kart game that I would actually be interested in a remake of because it is unique among the series. It's the only one in the series that, that really stands out and has completely different features from any other game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you no, got to check it out, man. Definitely interesting. All right. So another game that I played during that I planned to play during my vacation was Dragon Fantasy. Um, ju just before leaving for vacation, I, I asked I, I, on Twitter, I was like, oh, wow, there's so few RPGs on the 3DS virtual console. Um, the, the, the fact that Square Enix doesn't really put out anything really hurts it. But yeah. uh, I was like, well, you know, like there, there were some great 
Game Boy RPGs out there, there was there was some good stuff, and I was really craving for an old school RPG, not a strategy RPG, not you know just freaking Dragon Quest. Uh, yeah. But so the day after I complained on Twitter, uh, <laughs> an RPG fell on my lap. Choice Provisions uh, brought this kind of old now uh, indie RPG, um, Dragon Fantasy, made by obviously a guy who loved. Uh, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy and just wanted to make his own RPG. And um, so th- th- this is kind of, you know, an homage slash maybe satire of mm-hmm. old school RPGs, but definitely you-, you can tell like, okay, like this dude really loved this kind of game and wanted to make one himself. Um, so they-, they brought it to our- to 3DS and to Wii U. It's like $10. And if you buy one version, you get the code for the other. So it was... I don't know, like, I, I I really, really wanted to like this game. I was ready for this type of game. But ultimately, uh, I ended up reading a lot of books on my vacation because this game did not click with me at all. Chapter 1 is so primitive and yeah. so uninteresting. It's very, it's like the first Dragon Quest where you've got one hero and you battle one enemy at a time. Um, there's this wrinkle where you can use nets to capture enemies that you beat, that you weaken. And so you can create a, a larger party that way, but the, the monsters that follow you and your party don't level up ever. You just switch them out for stronger monsters when you capture them. Uh, and it's just not that interesting because those monsters are never going to learn new spells and usually the, their only ability is to attack. Uh, so what ends up uh, happening is that you're battling one enemy and your four guys are just attack, 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 attack. And then you know, like you repeat, like you, you, I just held down the A button to, to go through the, the menu and that, that was the battle. Uh, yeah. Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest has slightly more strategy to it. You know, like there's, there's stuff that you can do. There, there's various, uh, you know, debuffs or, or whatever that you can use. Uh, you can kind of bulk up your characters, like wait, skip a turn and have a stronger attack later. Like, Anything of that type, like anything like that, would have been a, a huge, huge improv- improvement in Dragon Fantasy, but it's it's way too basic. And, yeah, I completely uh, agree. I I played it on Vita two or three years ago when it came out there first, and uh, yeah, I I love the idea of it, and I was totally into playing something like that. But it's it's too simple, it's too primitive, mm-hmm. uh, and and it, and it ends up just being kind of boring. Um, right. There's also a Dragon Fantasy 2, which I think also came out. I don't know if it's a separate purchase or not. Um, Johnny, but it, it's, it's much it's, more of a 16-bit style game. Is is that the game that we saw at PAX East that year? Yep. That we demoed? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Dragon Fantasy 2 is included. I don't know if that's one of the chapters or what. But I, I do know that there's like the game has the 16-bit look. Uh because I think the guy went back and updated the graphics, and uh, oh. you can turn that off. You can choose the old style and the old music, and I actually did that and uh, liked them a little bit more because the updated music has this weird loop, uh, very short loop, and it's super distracting. And when it's eight bit, it's slightly less annoying. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the writing also, like very, it tries to be funny. But it, it feels like an old game. Like, I, I'm not saying, I haven't seen any memes or, or stuff like that, internet memes, but it kind of feels like you're reading internet humor from 2007. 
you know like it, yeah. it feels like you're reading freaking lolcats or something it's it's not it's just not funny like the the dragon quest games the ones that have got good localization like the ones on DS uh 4 5 and 6 and, and 9 uh all have funnier dialogue this one kind of I don't know. I wish I liked it. I wish I liked it way more than I did, but uh, it just kind of That's how I felt that. about them, too. Yep. All right. Well, James, it's time for you to hit it's us time. with whatever I, you've got. I mean, I don't understand why everybody just assumes that I'm coming in here with something awful. I come in here with, with creative suggestions for the gaming bon vivant who wants to experience <sighs> new bon things that, that Nintendo just isn't giving them during... The too hot for summer experience that NOA has created mm. here mm. in the states. My joie de vivre is just not satiated at this point. So what do you, John? I don't want to be anywhere near your joie de vivre. Mm. So I am playing. Um, yep. Yeah, so first off, I want to start off with an apology. I had promised a video of the monstrosity that is Samba de Amiga, but the audio mix was just all kinds of jacked up. So all you could hear was the Ricky Martin sound of like just booming through the recording, even though I had it tuned down to like two dashes out of 10. So we've had some tweaks since then. And there will be video of me playing Doshin the Giant for the Nintendo, for the Nintendo GameCube in Japanese 60 hertz 480p, which is the only way to play this game in 60 hertz because the European version only does 50. So guess what? I had to try to figure out what the fuck the text means in a language I barely have any comprehension of. And with all it the text... It doesn't make sense in English either. Well, well, here's the best part. With all the text being distorted by the blurriness of it being up to my HDTV. Which made looking up stuff even harder. Yeah. So, basically, I mean, to give the, the really highlight of this game, it is a game where you play as a giant who looks like a giant yellow banana with arms and legs who just emerges from the ocean and he- and essentially uh, helps these bafflingly hapless villagers establish societies on this island. It's it's a little like um God, what was that Peter Moore game? Not Populous, but the one where you had the 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 avatar god creatures. What, black and uh, white? Yeah, it's a little bit like that except you directly control the creature and also, the people you're trying to help are somehow even dumber. So, what you do is you essentially level the ground, you provide them building material, you do stuff to make sure that they have adequate supply of tree, and um, essentially let give them the fuel they need to build a small society. Uh, when you start off, the basically it's, I think it's eight days I think you get to play, and you come up on day one, they've got nothing. There's just some villagers who want you to give them some trees. By day six, which is as far as I've gotten, they've built these giant shrines to you, and you've got to kind of knock them down to make them build new ones because you've seen this shrine. You want to see a different one. <laughs> I mean, your your core mechanic is basically pick up item, drop item, raise ground, lower ground. And also you can turn into a demon and shoot fireballs. I mean, that's that's really the, the entirety of your interactive experience with the game. So a lot of times you're just kind of moving from... You start with four villages, it expands as time goes on, but you're moving from village to village and you know trying to satiate the needs of that particular community before moving on to the, to the next one. And sort of for efficiency's sake, you build up this, this kind of route that you follow to sort of maximize, you know, to minimize the amount of time you're stopped at any one place and the time between when you 
leave a place and when you're back there. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure everybody's busy. Like, if they're over there demanding with a little speech bubble over their head, they really need a tree, that you're picking up a tree and walking it 30 feet and dropping it next to them. Because apparently, even though you're a god, they can't be effing bothered to go cut down a tree 30 feet from where they're at. (laughs) They don't actually cut down the tree. It's weird. Like, as you move around vegetation, you turn the land from desert to greenery. Or if you pick up a tree, it becomes desert. It's... And there's mechanics like if you combine a bunch of trees around each other in a really tight area, they all die and it spawns an additional tree and you get a flower that you can use to upgrade your shrines. It's weird. It's a weird game. But Did you talk about of, how you can turn into a demon version? Yes. And then just firebomb shit. Um, yeah, I actually use – so fun. the island itself has this big mountain in the way. And at first I was kind of climbing up to the top of it and looking out over my dominion to determine where my help was most needed, at which point I decided it was faster if I just followed a route every time. And uh, to get around that, I just turned into a demon and just bombed the shit out of the mountain. And then just, <laughs> I just leveled it. So that's that's enough. Yeah. I built a, I built a land bridge to the other island. It just, you know, I just, I did all this stuff to make myself the most efficient yellow banana god ever created. Um, I mean, it's, so, it's a truly bizarre game. So In, is the gameplay, like, because you're playing a giant, I'm... Picturing it being really slow, is it? Is it? You, you're oh, pretty yeah. plotting, um, and mm. you get bigger. This as is time from goes the land on. of Godzilla for sure. It has yeah. that mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. What's What's curious is as you earn their respect or terror based on your actions, these little these little heart or skull icons kind of form around the border of the screen, and when you fill it up, you you essentially you grow, you get larger, and then it resets, and you do it again. So around day five or six, you're massive. Like, it, and it doesn't. You don't necessarily appreciate that you're growing on individual level ups, but collectively by the end you realize you've become enormous and it's becoming increasingly difficult to not just stomp shit as you're walking around these villages. Mm-hmm. It, it's You start to have unintentional uh, murders of your adoring yeah. uh, people because you're just too big and clumsy and you can't step around them. Yeah, and what's what's really weird is they there's all these kinds of things that, you know, little little subsystems the game has, like when they're building the shrines to you, which is sort of, you know, these ta- it starts off as a little village, and then it, it kind of turns into a city when they build the shrine, turns into a larger city when they build the, the fully upgraded shrine. It's just, just a little map indicator, but things like if you surround the building site of the shrine with trees, they'll build it faster. But if you put a tree where they're planning to build the shrine, they won't build it, and they'll just stand around and look at you with spo- with a thought bubble about how they're angry. It's I mean it's a pretty simple game, but there's all there's that kind of weirdness there. Like at the end of a day, because there's a clock in the game, in the 64 DD version, because this game was originally a 64 DD game, because of course it mm-hmm. was. I mean, of course it was. Um, they would work some days, and then the villagers would not work other days and just sleep. In the GameCube version, they work every day and sleep in the evening. And what the game does when they sleep is it saves, and then it boosts you to the main menu. And if you don't speak Japanese, you're kind of thinking to yourself, did I just lose? <laughs> um, what I found was if you wait a little while, then go back into the game, you start day two. And then day three, and day four. But if you wait too long, or if you start too soon... It acts like a lot of time passed, and like your trees wither and die, and your society may be hit by natural disasters it's it's a weird game it's a really strange and magnificently bizarre game 
that I feel like after playing through once, I'm just sort of getting a grasp on it. At the same time, I'm not sure there's a lot to get a grasp on here. Right. Um, I understand why Nintendo of America did not bring this game out. <laughs> I don't necessarily... Kind of a hard sell. Yeah. Don't necessarily understand why Nintendo of Europe did bring this game out. Like, it's it's one of those games where you look at it, you're like, really? You're going to bring us one over, huh? That's, yeah. that's your that's your thought process. <sighs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it is a, it is a weird and enjoyable experience that I feel like would make a, a little bit more sense if I understood what they were saying, but probably not a tremendously, tremendous amount more. It's, it is, it is amusing though to pick up like a house your villagers made and just move it to another village because you can. And they don't, <laughs> They don't seem particularly amused by this, but instead you end up, like, each village has its own color, so then you end up with these kind of weird rainbow-colored villages. The villages build different kinds of buildings. Um, so, there's, there's some, there's some, like, weird cross-population stuff you can do just for visual interest. But apparently, there's a way to kind of cheese the game so they found more villages and you get more places. But I think to myself, I'm having a hard time keeping up with the ones I have. I don't necessarily want more. Just makes me wonder what the plan would have been for this on 64DD, because this seems like something that would be more suited to PC. It's largely could... the same game. Yeah, it just seems like something where it would be more at home on PC, where you could you know, add add more content, or maybe mod it, or do something like that. Like it's Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple game, in, all told. It's, it's kind of working the same way that some of the other games of that era did where this game is kind of weird for weirdness sakes. Um, there's a certain pinball game that, that fits into that category that, you know, th- these things kind of existed because you could still afford to make a game like that, mm-hmm. give it a retail release and be truly strange and not completely bankrupt the company making it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't th- know. Th- these, this was a very small project too. So I want to share some trivia with you about Doshin the Giant because I also ha- – I used to – well, I still own somewhere the Japanese GameCube version. And, and so when I played it, I couldn't read the text either. Um, but it's a it's a pretty bonkers game. I don't, I don't know how much that would help. Um, but this game was, uh, as you mentioned, originally on 64DD. The GameCube version that you and I have played uh, was supposedly developed by one guy. And I believe it was Giles Goddard. Believable. Uh, who, who was a, a Nintendo employee who also had worked on 1080 snowboarding and a few other things. Um, so yeah, apparently the GameCube port was done by a single guy, um, and that probably helped uh, justify the release of it because I'm sure it didn't cost him that much money to make it if he was the only one working on it. Um, also, the original designer was this guy named Ida, um, and he's also he's kind of known as this really wacky Japanese game designer. Um, similar to, uh, what's the guy who makes Seaman? Uh, Yu Saito. Yeah. Yu yeah. Saito. Very much along the same line. So, uh, mm. Ida-san, uh, is probably most famous other than Doshin the Giant. He also made a game called Aquanauts Holiday. Oh and, my God. Uh, and, uh, t- what is it? Tale of the Sun? Uh, on, it's a, he made some PS1 games that are sort of infamously weird and pointless. Yeah, I've heard um, of those games only in hushed, only whis- whispered in hushed tones. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can highly recommend a, a, at this point, extremely old uh, interview that IGN did uh, with this guy back in maybe the late 90s or early 2000s. That is one of the funniest and weirdest things I've ever read on the internet. 
Um, highly recommended. And then uh, there's a 64DD only sequel to Doshin the Giant um, that involves uh, you playing as one of the human uh, worshippers of Doshin. He has been trapped in a cage and you have to feed him hearts to help him grow large and break out of the cage. And you do this by pushing the eject button on the 64DD add-on system. <laughs> so if you That's think amazing. Doshin the Giant is weird, it ain't got nothing on the sequel. Apparently the sequel is not very good, though. It's 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 even weirder but less fun and, and less enjoyable to play. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, Doshin the Giant is uh, it's a hot mess of a game. It's it's actually kind of beautiful on the GameCube. I think it, it has a, sim- a simplistic art style, but it looks really nice, and uh, it has it's got a lot of charm. You know, it, it really, it does a lot with the style of it, for sure, even though the gameplay is pretty simple and, and yeah, I mean, there's at times. There's something about that game that's that's charming and yeah. in weird and confusing and just just enjoyable kind of way. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think, uh, I think people should check out the video that James is going to be putting up uh, for Doshin the Giant. It, yeah. It's, it's like it's I'm, worth watching a little bit of it for sure. And it's a video of like day three because I didn't want to go through the, the rather tedious process of the village that all they need you to do is they decided to build their village on a mountain. So you spend like 10 minutes just, all right, now I'm going to make this ground a little bit lower and this ground a little bit higher. Like, you fucking assholes. There's there's flat ground right there. Go build there. Nope. I'd level this damn mountain for you jackasses. It's was, it's randomly generated. So if you don't like the layout, you can just restart the game. Yeah. I mean, there, there's certain elements that are roughly similar each time and they always build on that little island on their own one thing mm-hmm. that uh one thing that trivia was that you didn't mention was that the company that made this param um was founded exclusively to make games for the 64 dd which is baffling to think about that they made <laughs> a company to make 64 dd games yeah it's confusing to say somebody the least. had to take that bullet yeah, they and they certainly did. <laughs> All right. Well, John's been waiting very patiently, so let's hear about what you've been playing. Yeah, um, I played uh, through, which is not saying much because the game is very short, but I played through Journey on PS4, which I think the original came out on PS3 in about 2012-ish. Mm-hmm. It's a platformer um, by that game company who also made Flower. And... Yeah. And... In what will certainly surprise nobody, I bought it for PS3 and never played it. So <laughs> there you go, beautiful. Um, but yeah, so it came but you out get recently. The free upgrade. Yes, on PS4. exactly. Which is what I did on PS4. So I decided. So I always I knew it was a short game. So I was like, I'm gonna play through this, and it's it's really really good. Um, for those that have never played it or are are unfamiliar with it, it's effectively a platformer, but it's more of an experience game. Um, it's really not skill based in any way. Um, and it's very unique because it's kind of, uh, it's our style is sort of cartoon ish, but it's also very abstract. And the goal of the game is to just make your way up to the top of a mountain. Um, and you know, you do this by moving through the environments, uh, and kind of touching various points in the environments where this magical fabric floats and you have two two things that you can do you can kind of when you reach these fabrics you can jump uh, and float for a little while and that's how you kind of traverse the environments you kind of float from point to point um, with light puzzle puzzle solving elements um, where you have the 
other thing that you can do, which is kind of generate this orb of light. So most of the puzzles are, you know, get to this point and then use your orb of light to light up these various little kind of obelisk type things. And then it opens a door or shows you, you know, part of a, a map or something like that. So it's very simple. I mean, it's very much, it's, it's more about actually kind of experiencing the different environments and, you know, the way they look and kind of making your way through. But what really makes the game unique is that other people can drop in anytime and but the thing is you can't communicate with them and in fact there's no text there's nothing spoken or anywhere in the game uh, it's very much focused on kind of moving through these environments at your own pace there's really no pressure and it's really cool because you almost develop a sort of unspoken bond with these people that drop in on your game and there really isn't any mechanism you know, I mean, my first thought, of course, is, well, what are these people going to do? Are they going to troll you? But there's really no way to do that within the game because the only thing really to do is just go through the environments. And so you kind of do that, and it's it's just, it's neat. It's very, it's a very serene game. It's very relaxing. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, I was thinking, Johnny, this is your last show as host, so you yourself are coming to the end of a journey. So I felt this game would be a little, oh bit, a little bit appropriate because this game really is sort of an allegory for life if you go through it. So John, I will cut you if this continues. You're going up to the top of a mountain. You know, you go through, you kind of figure out what's going on, you weather some storms, you kind of battle some demons, um, you know, you and everyone's, I mean, and I'm being dead serious here. This game is actually mm-hmm. very affecting in this way. Um, and the thing it's, is... I mean, it's very... It's very- it's poetic and ethereal, you know, it, it, it leaves, it's like a mood game. It, it kind of puts you in a certain frame of mind and yeah. that's what it, that's, that's the reason to play it is it, it mm-hmm. puts you in a certain frame of mind and it's, it's like a, it's a very pleasant experience to go through. It's kind of funny, uh, John, because I, I also picked my new business because it's Johnny's last show. And I was like, he's dashing out of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so oh. fast that you could say he's double dashing. I'm not, no, no, <laughs> no. You all will be living under the iron fist. Do not start to agitate me now. Yeah. J- you know, that, that is a stretch bigger than Doshin the Giant pulling land up out of the ocean. I'm not, uh, boy. I'm not having this. But <laughs> I'm not here right now. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's definitely something where I mean, it kind of makes you think. It shows kind of the power of what you can do in a game without having the biggest splashiest graphics or any of that stuff. Uh, like a fan of the game described it to me as what they were trying to do was they were trying to uh, make it kind of like hiking, where it's very serene and all you're really doing is enjoying the sights. And you might do that with another person. You might do that by yourself. But really, the whole thing is about actually enjoying the experience, enjoying the view, enjoying the company of somebody else, even though you might not be saying anything to them or discussing anything or really interacting with them very much. Um, it's just it's mm-hmm. about playing through the game. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like life, right? Like where people can hop into the game and they might stay with you for a small amount of time. They might stay with you for a long time. And if you're lucky, maybe somebody will stay with you to the very end of your journey. And then you get to the top of the mountain, and then your journey starts over, perhaps. And you push them off. You don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's extremely interesting, you know, and it takes you, I mean, I recommend anybody to play through it, just if you're interested in what can be done with games as an interactive medium. I mean, you can play through the whole thing in an hour and a half. There you go. It's like you and I were playing through our own journey together, and here we are at the end. And what happens next, who knows? Aw. Maybe it wasn't even me the whole time. Who knows? Maybe. (laughs) Just an anonymous stranger. 
So yeah, yeah, it, some guy in your friends list. <laughs> that's the thing, whatever. exactly. At the end of the game, they tell you who you played through with. So maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I actually played through this entire podcast with like, you know, Weed Four Twenty Yolo. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's who you were the whole time. No, that's only on Xbox, not PlayStation. Oh yeah. So there you go, Journey. I highly recommend uh, it. Yeah, Journey's awesome. I'm I uh, am actually excited to play through it again because it's been long enough that I've forgotten a lot of it. You know, because mm-hmm. I played through it all in one sitting. Just like I mean, that's kind of the ideal way to do it. Yeah. Um, and I've only played through it the once, and I loved it, and I never touched it again. So I'm definitely going to go back through it on on PS4. It was just it was one of the first games that I I was like, okay, Karen, you need to play this, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, like it's it's a game that you enjoy. Playing through that you enjoy watching someone else play through and just uh, like talk about afterwards and uh, mm-hmm. it's yeah it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's a great game to share with someone else in the room for sure. It looks a bit like you're playing a Disney movie too. Yeah, it's like an yeah. animated Disney movie and it's very beautiful and and you know just kind of. And then the fucking dinosaurs start talking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it, it was very nice for me. It was very refreshing coming from a lot of these games. And Journey is machine gunless. Yes, there's, there's that's, virtually that's no violence at all. Does anyone eat your bullets, though? Uh, no. <laughs> there right, are no bullets well. to be eat. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap up this segment. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we've got Retroactive Blaster Master and some other stuff. Come back. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Retroactive. This is the, I think, the 33rd Retroactive that we've done. That's a lot. Um, we didn't even start those uh, until a couple years into uh, our, our reign uh, of taking we were doing over RFN. A, we were doing them at a pretty good clip at one point, though. Yeah, yeah. Back in the in the glory days of Virtual Console, they were. it was kind of easy to, to, to find something and, and kind of pounce upon it quickly. But uh, it, it's a fun feature, and, and I've always enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, man, w- what great, great uh, luck, really, that, <laughs> that we were able to do Blaster Master because we let Nintendo pick it for us. And, uh, and it turns out that uh, it's, it's one of my favorite games ever, really, especially for NES. Um, it's a game I, I've loved since childhood, so I'm excited to talk about it here on my, on my last episode. And uh, I, I think there's a lot to say about it. Um, you know, as, as a kind of an entry point, uh, you know, we always pull quotes from the forum thread uh, over at Nintendo World Report, and uh, we really appreciate people playing along with us and, and dropping some thoughts into that thread and um, hashing out uh, their, their ideas and, and uh, questions about the game with each other and with us. So let's uh, read a quote here to, to kick it off, because I think this one kind of uh, it encapsulates a few interesting things about Blaster Master. Um, of course, this was a Sunsoft game, action game for the NES back in the late 80s, uh, originally called Metafight in Japan, had a completely different story. Um, I think we'll get into that. Um, but uh, Blaster Master oh, was we will. The, by far the most popular version of the game. Uh, it was a huge hit in America, kind of a, a bomb in Japan. Uh, and uh, it has 
So it's sort of it's sort of the opposite of Milan Secret Castle if you think about it. That game was really popular in Japan. It's kind of a weird obscurity here in the States. Uh vice versa with Blaster Master. It's much more popular here than it ever was in its homeland. Uh so let's let's kick it off with a forum quote here from Stalfo in the forums. And uh, Stalfo said, "What's interesting is when you're in the tank, it's a 2D platformer and your tank has some weapons to deal with enemies, but you can jump out of the tank and control Jason." And you can deal with smaller enemies that your tank can't shoot. And uh, I thought this was a pretty cool wrinkle in the gameplay. God forbid you jump down a ledge and just get owned by fall damage. Jason can also enter doors that the game turns into a top-down shooter. These are where you find upgrades to your gun, and ultimately these are where the bosses are located. Navigating these rooms are far easier than dealing with some of the enemies in the tank. Hmm. I thought the mix of the two styles of gameplay kept the game fresh and fun, so you weren't too burnt out of just platforming. Yeah, it's an interesting mix, for sure. Yeah, I think that Stalfo maybe uh, forgot about the uh, the optional weapons that you can get, though. Uh, because the, the whole yeah. enemies that are smaller, that you can't really shoot with your tank, really, uh, there are three types of weapons, like uh, uh, homing missiles and this kind of weird lightning that you can shoot from under your, your tank. Uh, you, you just have to press down on the attack button and... Uh, you, you use uh, you use up the ammo that you found in, in stages, mm-hmm. and uh, you really have to 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 use those to 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 make it through the the uh, the various levels uh, unscathed, you know. Or you just save state cheat like a mother. Which is what uh, I'm yeah, doing. sure, yeah. sure. Well, yeah, or or else you're constantly on the run from enemies and. And yeah. kind of picking your way through every single stage. Yeah, but the the game is more fun and and it it flows much better if you just take care of the enemies and and like Yom said, just use those weapons. They're they're um, they're easy to replenish. You have lots of ammo of them. And uh, I think getting out of the tank and shooting enemies in the side scrolling stuff uh, with with Jason should be a last resort if you run out of all your other weapons. Yeah. I mean the the homing missiles, which are the the default. Um, it, once you find ammo for them, which is pretty, pretty early in the game, you find, you start finding ammo, uh, for those. Uh, and, uh, the homing missiles are kind of awesome. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they shoot out three at a time. They track down the enemies pretty well most of the time. And I remember thinking for the NES, I'd never really seen anything like that. The fact that they go out and they actually do kind of seek out enemies and, and they, they track multiple, like if there's three enemies on the screen, you shoot out three homing missiles and they will all go separate, three separate ways and track down individual enemies and sometimes kill all three simultaneously. And that is amazing for NES technology. Like I, you'd never seen anything like that in in an NES game at that time. And it's one of the things that really made Blaster Master stand out. I mean, this is from what, like 1988, I think. So it's, it's not, I mean, this is, this is not late in the NES lifetime by any, by any stretch of the imagination. No. I mean, the NES was still going for another five years. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things in Blaster Master that really show off Sunsoft's mastery of that of that system's hardware and mm-hmm. and and also their ingenuity. Like they they were always looking for cool things that they could do in their games that you hadn't seen in other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's just a, when you whenever you play a Sunsoft game, um, there's always a lot of innovation, and that carried through all the way to very late in the NES lifespan with stuff like Gimmick, which is only in Japan, but is kind of a, a legendary game that used a bunch of like specialized chips built into the cartridge, and it had crazy uh, music with extra channels and stuff, and, and really pulled off a lot of uh, animation and other special effects that you really didn't see in any other NES game. 
Yeah, I mean, um, Sunsoft for me was was right up there with you know Capcom, you know those yeah. kinds of like that level of stuff where like I always checked their games. I didn't necessarily play every Sunsoft game, but I always checked if there was a, if I saw a Sunsoft game on the shelf, I was like, eh, I'm gonna consider that guy because they always had yeah, games. they're definitely one of the best uh, NES developers by far. They made. They also made the uh, the NES Batman game. That's. Yep. Uh, I I love that game. That's yeah, really good. Uh, and it all that game also has a lot of really cool stuff that is very unusual for the NES. Like it's it's a very sophisticated game where you have a lot of different options for how to deal with different situations that you come across, and it's really challenging. So it kind of encourages you to be creative and and try different things until you find something that works. And, and that's one of the things I love about Blaster Master is. You know, it, it is a very tough game, but they also give you a lot of tools. And if you're willing to use them, uh, they help you a lot in the game. Right. You you mentioned the Batman game. Like, you just have to mention the Batman NES game to me, and immediately I've got the, the, the music stuck in my head. <laughs> Actually, I might say something a little bit controversial here, but the music in Blaster Master kind of disappoints me a little bit. The hmm. The first theme that you hear is really good, and uh, I think that, that perhaps it's the one that people remember the most for, for a good reason. But as I made my way through the levels, I was like, oh, this is, this is not so impressive. Like, this is not as catchy as that initial tune. And uh, stuff like the, the music and the boss fights was especially grating to me, especially since... You know, because they're so hard, I, I was yeah. like safe stating the, the hell out of them. And uh, I, I was playing over and over again the same encounters. And uh, I, yeah, I'm not uh, a huge fan. Yeah, so I, I was trying to figure out if I should just fire you on the spot for the music, but then realized I couldn't think of any. Right. And realized it was because my save state abuse has completely rendered the music incomprehensible babble. <laughs> which oh that's too bad which is yeah. which is amazing to me when i think about it but um because i was you were saying like about the bosses were hard i'm like no nah, i just get the fully upgraded weapon and never lose it and oh that's why i don't remember the music yeah but yeah i mean it's precisely that why i mean this music i know all of it so well because i sat there and you know just played these bosses over and over again i died john did i sign like john Oh, this isn't musical theater now. No, I. Oh, it is musical <laughs> theater, James. It always Great. is.
Well, the, the music of Blaster Master is, is structured kind of weird, um, and it, it makes it a little harder to appreciate than most games because each each world, like there's, uh, there's seven or eight levels in the game, but they're basically sections of the map because it, it's a non-linear game. You can go to any of these sections at any time if you have all the right upgrades and everything. Um, so it's, it's a little bit like Metroid in that way. And, and basically each, each area of the map, uh, has its own musical theme that plays throughout, even when you go into the overhead stuff. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear the same song for a pretty long stretch of time, unless you're like making a trek across several different areas of the game. Um, and, and some levels definitely have better music than others. Like I think, uh, the world, the, like the, the opening music, like you guys mentioned, is really great. I think mm. the level three music is awesome. The underwater music is really good, yeah. but it, it just depends. You know, if, if you're if you're stuck in a particular section of the game that's really hard and you're having a lot of trouble with it, you're only going to hear that one song. And if you're having to try it over and over and you keep dying, you know that might give you some negative associations with that particular <laughs> song. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, to 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 take a quick uh, build off what you said though, like before I start save state abuse. It was around the time that you get stuck in the water for a little while, and yeah, I, that game gave me hydrophobia. I can't, I can't <laughs> look at water now without just feeling angry and irrationally scared. Yeah, so, it's like, why am I moving so slowly? This thing is a tank. Everything is a, well, yeah, literally, yes, it was literally a tank, John. But yep. it's like, why am I moving so slowly? And also, why do these enemies keep coming from different sides at exactly my height, but just at a laser range? I, I hate you, Sunsoft. I hate you so much right now. Yeah, it kind of does take advantage of, you know, in both types of modes, it kind of takes advantage of kind of uh, enemies attacking you at bad angles. And you have yeah, to compensate mm -hmm. for that. So that's actually probably we, one of the gripes. We have a quote about it. that, don't we, Johnny? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, so this is from Klex Yoshi, uh, who's participated in a bunch of retroactives. Um, and he says, uh, the top-down stuff invokes a lot of Fester's quest in my mind. This makes sense, I, I guess, because both are Sunsoft games. But man, the top-down stuff is a little bit on the rough side thanks to details like Jason holding his firearm at his side and thus the shots coming out the side and prohibiting you from hitting enemies who take advantage of this. The game has done an unfair thing with this already, uh, so that worries me. Hopefully upgrading the gun doesn't turn it into this unwieldy whirlybird thing that gets caught on walls and flies around the enemies like what happens in Fester Quest. It totally does. You know what? You know what does? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to it. Let's continue. Yeah, but the, well, the the side shots, the the curling parts when you upgrade your gun, that, that can actually you can use that to your advantage to uh, just kind of cheese the whole for, freaking game with it. Yeah, yeah, you can. Well, you can hit enemies without actually aiming directly at them, which usually means yeah. they can't hit you, but you can hit them. Yeah. So, so if you take advantage of it, it can be really nice. Around area one, I had fully upgraded my gun, mm -hmm. and then I save state anytime I lose even like one bar of it and just like nope we're gonna keep that <laughs> yep. and like there, there are whole stages in like in world four where you're walking on these in the, in the on foot areas where there's like these um 
I don't know what, the, what you would call them, like scaffolds, and there's just empty space, like a void around them, and there's enemies kind of walking around on the scaffolds. Right. And like, you could just kind of aim to the side and just unleash this giant whirling. I mean, it's even this. It's even the Fester's Quest sound effect. I mean, it's the exact same sound, <laughs> but it's just there's this, some. There's definitely some shared DNA between Blaster Master and Fester's it's Quest. It's just it's unlike the Fester's Quest wavy thing. It's a hundred of those being shot out at one time in all directions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at which point it just looks like you're shooting on, it looks like the exhaust out of a, a rocket launch is being fired at the enemy at this point. So basically anything in any angle gets hit. And then it makes this horrible crashing sound when they hit the wall. But because like two dozen are hitting the wall every second, it's just this constant wave of. Yeah, yeah. This is a musical theater, James. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was sound effect. I am, a, I am a foley artist. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of foley on this uh, retroactive. I, I want to read one more thing about. Uh, uh, well, I want to read one more excerpt from Kleksioshi here on the forums because I think this is a great point. He says, "When you emerge with your shiny new wall treads, though, oh man, does that feel like magic? For the bits you get to travel around in that tank, you feel so empowered and so relieved." Um, and, uh, and I, I completely agree. I mean, I think the top down portions of Blaster Master are something that I kind of tolerate. I don't, some, I think they're an interesting challenge sometimes. And there's kind of a strategy about how you approach enemies and you have to be like ultra, ultra cautious because mm. your character is so vulnerable and it's so easy to get hit. And when you get hit, you not only lose life, but your gun gets degraded and yeah. that makes the rest of the level much harder. So for those stages, I, I, it's like kind of walking on thin ice when I play the top down oh, stuff yeah. and I, I don't enjoy it. I mean, I respect it as like, uh, it's, it's an intense challenge that I can eventually get through if I really take my time. If it's kind of like a, a test of patience for me, uh, mm-hmm. and endurance to get through that stuff. But, but that's not the fun part of the game. To me, the fun part of Blaster Master and what I always think of as soon as you say the words Blaster Master, is I think of that tank. And yep. the later you get in the game, the more upgrades you get for that tank, it turns into this insane, not only like a, a crazy killing machine that really no enemy can can stand up to, but also the stuff you can do with the platforming and, and the, the way that they they use the level design to to take advantage of all these different upgrades that you get is so much fun. And, and I love exploring these really humongous maps that they built out for the tank. And, and that is the joy of Blaster Master for me. Well, I mean, also the fact, too, that the, you know, the, the overhead view kind of on foot stuff is completely optional. You don't have to do it at all. Well, it's, it's I, mostly I mean, optional. The, bo- the bosses it's, aren't. But, well, yeah. the bosses aren't optional, but you don't need a gun power up to beat any of them. It no, becomes you don't. hard. But right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I was just like, okay, I wanted to get through this as quickly as possible. So, you know, usually, like, the way I originally played through it was, you know, you know, went, you know, got on foot and found everything and got all the gun power ups. And then I was like, wait a minute, to beat the bosses, I don't need to do any of this. So I just skipped all of those and just went from boss to boss to boss to boss. And yeah, by, by me having just cheesed out the game, like, I don't have to do those anymore because I'm fully upgraded at this point. So it's, it's, yeah. Moot. Right. Yep. But when you can't cheese the game though, those oh, overhead yeah, those segments, oh. they're just terrible. I I really yeah. I don't know like so uh Klex mentioned the uh the whole thing where the Jason holds his firearm on the right in the right hand. He's unidextrous. So, yeah, so so all the shots come from the right side of his sprite and you can 
you can kind of think like in a video game designer way, like, oh yeah, like someone somewhere thought, yeah, this makes sense. The gun yeah. is in his right hand. The shots are gonna, the bullets are gonna come from the right. But then, you know, you think about it a little bit more and you're like, wait, no, guns don't work that way. People don't mm. shoot guns that way. It doesn't yeah. make sense. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. And, um, and also the fact too that the grenade, if you're, if you're moving, the grenade goes further than when you're standing still. Yeah. Ah, that throws yeah, me off cool all the time. Detail. Yeah, it's cool, but it's also kind of annoying at the same time. Like, I like it, but I don't like it. It can be kind of annoying. You have to, well, you have to think about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. you do. And the hitbox on the bosses is always so much smaller than I think it is. Mm-hmm. You have oh, to yeah. be mm-hmm. incredibly mm-hmm. precise. And uh... the, the, <sighs> the crab bosses especially bad oh, about that. Yeah. That hitbox is yeah. tiny. Yeah. Even, even with the big spray power up, like, only mm-hmm. about a quarter of my shots were hitting anything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, I mean, the bosses are just devastatingly brutal in this game. And, it, you know, I if they turn off anybody from enjoying Blaster Master, I totally understand. And I think it's regrettable. I think the game is – like parts of it are just so much harder than other parts. You know, yeah. it, 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 it ends up feeling kind of like an uneven experience. But, I, again, the, the part – you know, the, the, the stuff about it that is fun to me is so much fun that I will I will put up with the rest of it. Because I want to get to the next section of the world that I can run through with a tank and and go do all that platforming and and uh, I mean it's a, you drive a jumping tank in this game like yeah I mean I, I can't love... think of any other video game that's like that and it yeah it has such a unique feel to it and and a weight and a momentum mm-hmm. and the the animations on the tank are just unbelievable for the NES. I mean there's nothing no other NES game looks anything like this. Yeah, I love the way that the tank was I mean that's really what what drew me to the game was the way that tank looked. It's very much like 80s Japanese like anime mecha kind of look. And it just looks mm-hmm. good the way the wheels, you know, the way the wheels turn and then the, they kind of turn differently depending on like they turn at a different rate depending on what you do and then when you aim upwards yeah. It's not just the cannon raising; it's the entire thing raises up like a tripod. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It looks so good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like little the touches. Animations like that. are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the 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 tank also lifts when you jump, which you know you think, well, okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. But a lot of NES games didn't go through; you didn't bother, or even like more re- modern games, like when vehicles jump, you rarely see uh, an animation for it. So mm-hmm. it's really really cool. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, even even when you when you hop out on foot. The little latch comes up and your guy hops out. It's like just so cool and so detailed. Right. Yeah, there's so much care put into the design of that stuff and, and that's what makes it appealing to me. And also just you know, they're they're very clearly inspired by Metroid and, and I think we should talk about the the kind of openness of the game world a little bit because it's it's both a blessing and a curse. Uh mm. and maybe in different ratios depending on who you talk to. So we have a, what a quote if... here from Sorry, what what if uh, Metroid um, only had limited lives and didn't have a password system? Basically, that's yeah. when you get Blaster Master. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's a bit of that. So uh, we have a quote here from uh, Papatko who says, uh, I remember trying this game as a kid and being totally overwhelmed with the branching pathways and overall difficulty. Taking my first real attempt at it now, it's still very challenging at first. A few hours in, though, I'm really getting the hang of it and making significant progress with each new game. You really feel a sense of discovery when you finally come across the next boss or area. Um, so I wanted to to talk about this because I know that 
you know, different people respond differently to the kind of, I, I would say the game isn't centered around backtracking the way that Metroid is maybe, but there are two or three different areas in the game. There's one in kind of infamous uh, part of the game where you have to go all the way back to the very beginning of it to find the next area. And, yep. uh, and it's somewhat, I, I kind of love that, but I know it's quite controversial. So I wanted to throw that out there and see how you guys uh, uh, handled it. I just wish this thing had a map. I mean, in game, I, it would have made I, things a lot easier. But maybe that's probably the point: is that it's more difficult. Well, all, I mean, at the time, no game had a had like an auto map like that. Yeah, just didn't exist true. back in 1988. There's right. nothing. I, you were expected to draw your own maps basically as you yeah. play. Yeah. I, I yeah. but here the thing is, I found that whole I predictably found that whole sequence despicable. Because <laughs> yeah, you would. I mean, not not Despicable. not bad or poorly conceived. Just the work of an evil individual. Because ultimately, yeah. it's hey, you need to go back to the beginning, but we're not gonna tell you that. And you're also right. way fucking far from home. So you I mean, gotta... this is this is classic NES game design, where it was just like we're not gonna tell you what to do. You're just gonna out. have to play this game for a month straight and not know what the hell you're doing, and then eventually one also, day oh, you will stumble you... across something. We literally could not put it further from you than we have, and also yeah. you have limited lives. Yeah, so, and yeah. we're not going to tell you where anything is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, so at least at least once you know, though, you you, you don't forget it because um, I, I played right. this game again when it came out in the Wii Virtual Console, and it's a game I've always tried to get into and play to the end, but never managed to. And uh, um, I, I must have quit around that time, or, and I must have looked it up and was like, oh, okay, f that. But um, I, I re-downloaded it on the 3DS uh, to play uh, on my train trip to, to vacation, and I, I I beat like the third bus or, or something, and then I I remembered, oh wait, I think like my my spider sense is tingling, like I, I think I remember there's something like there's <laughs> some really devious thing that happens here. So I looked up on my phone on GameFAQs and like, oh right, yeah, okay, so I go from area three to area one to area four, yeah. and um, so, like, th this is the kind of thing that probably doesn't bother the people who grew up with the game uh, as much as it does the, the people like us who never really played it as a kid or, uh, you know, who are only playing it now and discovering this frustration uh, for the first time. Uh, yeah, well... Yeah, I think I you're mean, right, because the the fact that you have to backtrack to the very... I mean, literally the first screen of yeah, the they, game... Yeah, they literally could not put him further from where he needs to be at that point. Right. right. This is... I mean, I've known that you have to do that for so long that I don't remember learning how to do it. Right. I, I, I was probably six or seven years old when I learned how to do that. So, for me, it's just... It's a given. It's just... It's just a fact of the game. I, if you if you mention Blaster Master, I think about that sequence where you get halfway through the game and you have to go all the way back to the beginning, and it's like there's a whole new part of the game that you would never even be looking for in the very beginning of the game, and you don't have the ability to get up there anyway. So for me, it's very empowering because it's like, look how much authority you have over the game world now because you have the hover ability. And you can go to all these places that you could never even dream of going to before, including at the... It's like, it's such an amazing secret of the game that the very first thing Screen. that you see in the entire game has yeah. this amazing secret. There's a whole new world up above you that you didn't even realize yeah. you could ever go to. I mean, that's, since I always thought that's, it was so that's... cool, but I understand how people could be frustrated by it now. Well, yeah, I mean, then that's that's very Super Metroid, actually, where 
where you start yeah. off. You know, <laughs> you can actually once yeah. you get more powers, you can you can go up and kind of flesh out the map. You're like, well, oh my god, there's a room over here, power up over there. But yeah. before that, there's a there's a sequence in even the first level where there's this door and you can't it's shooting at you. Um, and you can't kill it until after you've beaten the first boss. It doesn't tell you, hey, you got a new gun. Yeah. It says, here's a piece of metal. I don't know what it's for. You'll figure it out. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, yep. And, if, and in fact, the only reason I did it, it was I, I found the door and it killed me and I ran out of lives. And I swore at the game <laughs> for a little while. Um, James. <laughs> and then And then later, because it doesn't really tell you it's not doing anything. It just sort of shoots. And you're like, right. well, I don't. Yeah. Is, this a, is this a boss? What's well, happening and, right yeah, now? And there's, there's a sound, a you know it connects. But, yeah. yeah, and then, yeah. so, then later I killed it, and I'm like, I don't know why it died this time. What? So, the the reason I figured out how it dies, and, and the reason I figured out how to get to World 3 is, actually, I had some help. Um, and it wasn't from the internet. It was a, it was a, a letter to me, <laughs> published what? in 1990, called... What? Oh, here we Worlds go. of Power, Blaster Master, the novelization. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, this is a thing that exists. <laughs> Which I have been reading. Um, <laughs> oh my god. And in fact, if you all would like, I will provide you an excerpt. Please. This is a novelization of the video game Blaster Master. It sure as shit is. It is. Oh my. The, there were several of those, right? Like yeah, This the, was a whole series. Worlds of Power was a series. Who are you? Jason called out to the void. Who do you think I am? The voice thundered. The lead shook with vibrations. Jason and Eve clung to each other. The voice was different, deeper, more menacing. And Jason couldn't help but tremble at the sound of it. But I destroyed you. The laugh turned into a high-pitched shriek. Clouds of mud and fungus dislodged from the cavern walls and began raging around them. Electrical sparks zigzagged through the air like lightning. When the shriek stopped, the voice bellowed angrily. You thought that piffling pile of ah, putrescent protoplasm was me? You thought that I would let myself be outfought by a half-witted child and that shit goes on for a while but i couldn't find the exact quote where they talk about that fucking door and then i i was in like world two when i hit that point and went oh son of a bitch that's why i couldn't get through the door before thanks game but so you actually used this yes uh, masterpiece yeah this this literary this literary and i got to say just like movies the book's really the better experience oh yeah (laughs) what's what's amazing is the onomatopoeia they've invented um but What's odd is, like, on some chapters, there's just randomly, like, hints at the end in, like, the white space at the bottom of a chapter. So, like, after chapter 10, it's game hit, and they print it upside down. It says, after you defeat the first underboss, destroy the wall guard to get to level 2, which is exactly the thing we were talking about. But it actually describes it in the story as well of him doing this. It's, right. It, like, it goes through all this weird description of, like, what this stupid tank thing is and how it got there and why. It's, it's bizarre. It contextualizes the completely asinine intro video to this game about a frog. Yes. And it, like, puts, like, real intentional plot behind it. And it's almost a masterpiece at how stupid it is. I'm... The, the four-panel plot of, like, yeah, of... boy with frog, hole in ground, frog, frog jumps big. in hole. No, frog big, then frog fall in hole. <laughs> yes. To defeat the underboss on levels 2, 4, 6, and 7, try this technique. Use the A button to fire grenades and do it as quickly as possible. Well, when the what? underboss starts flashing white, hit it with the pause button and wait 30 seconds and then resume. Right! Right! There was that glitch! Dead. 
Yes! There was <laughs> the grenade one glitch. One of the most famous glitch oh, man, cheats I completely in all forgot of about that. In the book! In the licensed book! Oh, man, What's I totally remember is, that. Like, like, there's a description of most of the bosses in here, like the crab monster. Um, They describe fighting it, the, the thing that there's like eight of them and they just appear and you have to shoot each one as it pops up. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird novel. Like, reading this, this while is, you're playing the game is a trippy experience. It's, well, this is a – it's a very foggy memory, but I want to say the grenade trick was so famous and popular that Nintendo Power actually reprinted it more than once. I can believe Because it. there was so yeah. much demand. or Like, people people were writing in saying, how the hell do I beat Blaster Master? Because it's insanely hard. Yep. There were so many yep. people calling in uh, to their phone number and asking for help on Blaster Master that they reprinted the grenade trick multiple times. It doesn't work on every boss, but it works on the majority of them. And I still use it today. I mean, why Well, not? you don't have any choice, really. Well, yeah, Unless you do. You're, 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 it's not... Yeah, I mean, you, you can beat it without though. using the trick, but why would you? <laughs> I, I'm not sure you can. I really don't know. I guess if you I use d- save states. Yeah, I mean, I did, but that's because it took like six shots to kill every boss when I was running through the game. Right. I, I think that to beat this game, you have to cheat in some way. I, I just, uh, I refuse to believe that people can beat it without cheating at all. Yeah, it's super hard. I mean, well, I think I don't think 80s. I've ever beaten this game. I think I made it to the seventh boss, and that was where well, I hit the, so hit the it's wall. It's my under, it's my understanding that at some point the continues aren't infinite. Is is that accurate? Like, yeah, the some, continues do run out. I think you get five of them, something like that. Yeah, that's of course they don't tell you that. No, well, I mean that's again, no, it's that, it's brutal. Yeah, that's that is that is the number one thing I would fix in Blaster Master is you should have unlimited continues for sure. Mm-hmm. I, but with save states, I never had to use a single one. I, so. I just oh, suggest you just. I suggest you just read the game. I mean, I got this for literally one cent. Just, just. <laughs> read I paid it. one cent for you this know, book. I, I don't think kids in America today read, read enough. enough. Read enough. Read. I mean, it's all these video, video game games, adaptions. You know, all this, you know. Just stop. Put just put the joystick down and pick up read, a book for crying out read, loud. And read I your video James, games. <laughs> I think James is is the, the kind of guy. He's he's the role model. Yeah, for what read, you should be doing. Read your video games. Eat your homework. Do your drugs. <laughs> put that on a t shirt. I, I I was really tempted to just go live on um the uh the radio stream we have one day and just tweet out a link and just not say anything about it and just be reading this in the voices I've created for all the characters. It's just, just no oh, context. Man. You should do that still. That yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. It's an unbelievable book. But like it's it's weird like how faithful they felt they had to be to the game, which kind of tells you that this game actually people remembered it cuz it came out 2 or 3 years after the game did. And like they had they they have a almost bizarre faithfulness to, you know, the level structures. Like they're describing the robots that jump up and down. On, in the first world, that kind of like jump like they're rabbits, mm-hmm. um, which look really silly when you think about the fact they're giant hulking metal robots. But um, eh, maybe they've got jetpacks. Like, I don't know. They just sit sit there and describe the mechanics of how these things jump and the fact that you don't have hit stun or um or invincibility frames. Like they describe that in here. Like it lands on you, just keep taking damage. Which, by the way, why doesn't this game have invincibility frames? <laughs> Like with the little yeah, worms, really. that's really fucking evil. That there's none of that because yep. you're just. Hey James. Yeah. Hey James. Get good. You know what? <laughs> you know what, John? You know what? One for the road. One. For I don't the road. have to save states. <laughs> God, well, okay, good. sure, that works too. I mean, but what's weird is is like even Fester's Quest had 
some degree of invincibility frames. It's it's, it's a weird omission from even from a game of this era. That's mm-hmm. like a yeah. infinite just damage, 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 damage. It's it's an odd thing to deal with sometimes because I've had instances where the games and we've talked about this a little bit that the game the game the, the NES really can't handle the game sometimes or maybe Sunsoft just couldn't handle making this game sometimes. And I have had instances where, like, my shots aren't visually showing up or, like, a sprite isn't rendering the right way or at all. And, like, I couldn't tell that there was a worm inside the tank, but I was taking damage. And I had no idea what was happening at that point. I'm like, why am I dying right now? Okay, I'm dead. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of other NES games, especially of this era, that were more ambitious than the hardware could really handle you know, with with the technology they had at the time. Because Blaster Master doesn't use any fancy, like, extra chips or anything. Right. Th- that stuff mostly came in the early 90s. Um, and and I, I remember very vividly all tons of graphical glitches in Blaster Master back on the day. Um, and it was just one of those things where you're like, look, this game is it's trying to do things that the NES isn't really capable of, you know, cut it some slack. But as weird as the game sometimes can be with, you know, frame rate, slow down. And, and I remember lots of blocks would like change color. Um, when you oh, uh, yeah. scrolled off the screen you would go back, the blocks would reappear after you sh- yeah. had, had shot them previously, but they would come back in a different color. There lots mm-hmm. of like really weird stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, there's so much amazing stuff that it does pull off. Um, that is, I mean, the game's never really affected by that. Like you're not going to get stuck in a wall. Uh, it's not going to crash. You know, it, it, this all, this stuff is all very innocuous. And one of the things that really struck me going back to it now, because I, I don't remember really seeing this in many other NES games is that enemies don't respawn when you walk off the screen. No, in yep. fact, um, like in, in the overhead areas, for instance, or actually in the tank as well, if you mm-hmm. if you kill all the enemies on a screen and then go through a door and go in another room and then go back to the, to the previous one, the enemies are still dead. Yeah, that it, can, it can actually be a problem. of in the NES. Yeah, it can actually be a problem uh, when you're trying to, like, you know, farm power-ups and stuff like that. Like when yeah, you're, yeah, farm when you're the hover. Power. Yeah, it's like, right. man, it's like sometimes I just wish these enemies would just respawn stupidly like every other NES game. <laughs> yeah, but you can also use it to your advantage. Yep. Right. And also some enemies do respawn, the the ones that kind of just fly by the screen. Uh, and those are usually the ones that give you hover uh, fuel. So uh, that's good to know when you're trying, like, when you get back to that first screen in the first area and, oh, crap, I don't have the fuel to, to use the hover to reach the next mm-hmm. area. Well, you can just go back a couple of screens and then some of the enemies re- will reappear and you can farm them to uh, to get what you need. But yeah, I really wish that you didn't need uh, fuel for the hover because it's just one more pain in the neck Oh yeah, when you're just trying to get through the game. Yeah, it, it would make more sense if it just recharged whenever you touch the ground. Right. So, so one thing that I did notice was that because it persists enemy state and to a certain extent enemy position, there would be times where you would walk through a door, or drive through a door, and just because that's where the enemy was, it was in the doorway, mm-hmm. and you just immediately got hit, and there was nothing you could do about it. Like game, come on, yeah, come on. yeah. To, what are you yeah. doing, game? So well, annoying because like, yeah, those enemies will stay wherever you yeah. leave them, and they can sit there. And so I mean, it. You, I mean, I, I had a couple of times where I only had one power bar left. And oh. the enemies were right at the door, and I literally could do nothing but die. Right. They, they were so, just going to kill me because they, what, what they were going to be there when I came in. What I found, because I could cheese it a little bit and experiment, would be like, 
you you could like tap in, tap out real fast, and the enemy would move. And you did that enough times until it was moved enough that you could you had time to finish your entrance animation and shoot them. <laughs> but you would have to like go in the door for a microsecond like ten times as it slowly frame shifted across the space. <laughs> That's very resourceful, James. Yeah. I was going to keep my uh, fully upgraded weapons. God damn it! Yeah, this this, that, this game is a little bit sloppy like that, though. Like it has uh, a yeah. mm-hmm. glitches and loopholes yeah, to say the it, least. It's limited by the hardware. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we want to bring the discussion there already, but uh, yeah, you can tell that this is a game that could have benefited from a sequel, you know, just like the jump from Metroid to Super Metroid. Like, if we could have had a Blaster Master 2 on Super Nintendo yeah. by the same oh. team, that would have been amazing. Man, it would have been, for yeah. sure. That's that's and probably what. If, if I could go back in time, like, you know, I'd kill Hitler first, and second, I'd go back and make sure Sunsoft made Super <laughs> Blaster Master. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it would be better nice. if you just made them delay the first Those are Blaster my priorities. Master. <laughs> yeah, you could also make them uh, polish uh, the first Blaster Master, sure. I will say, I think the flaws of Blaster Master are, to a large extent, kind of make it very lovable. Like, at least for me, because I, I do have a very strong nostalgia for this game, because I played yeah. it a lot as a kid. Um, so for me to go back and see some of this stuff, yeah, some of it's hard to deal with. Some of it, thanks to save states, is not as frustrating as it used to be. And uh, and a lot of it is just kind of hilarious to me because I, I recognize that, you know, I know why the game kind of glitches out sometimes. And I'm kind of okay with it because it's part of the charm of it. You know, it's part of my memory mm-hmm. of it is I want to see those glitches. Um, and it'd be a shame to fix those I, I, in some ways, I think. But I sure would have loved a proper sequel that that really followed through with all the ideas. But before we get into what came after Blaster Master, because that's a whole other conversation that that we should have, um, I want to read uh, some comments from a, a special friend of the show who I, I reached out to because I knew he would have a lot to say about Blaster Master, and, and indeed he did. Uh, and that's Nathan Fouts from uh, Mommy's Best Games. Uh, we've had Nathan on the show a long time ago, um, to talk in part about Grapple Buggy, which is the game that he's been working on in kind of on the back burner for, for several years. years now. That never is forget very di- very directly inspired by Grapple Buggy, and I mean by Blaster Master, and and hopefully one day it will come out. Um, but I I kind of asked Nathan to provide uh, some thoughts on Blaster Master because I I knew he had played a lot of it. Um, and, uh, so here's what we've got. We'll start off with a, he, he wanted to promote a couple of things that he's been working on. And I think he, he deserves that, um, for, uh, contributing to the show here. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get through some of the intro stuff here. Um, he said, uh, uh, we've been doing some fun, weird things as of late. Have you played our horse racing game? <laughs> yes, it's on, it's on, uh, mobile, iOS and Android, but it's really tough and fun. Did you know that no one else has made an interesting horse ra- racing game in like forever? Your fans should try it. Japan it's disagrees. Fing- it's called Finger Derpy. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically drunken horse racing. You can play solo or even have four players in a, on a single device. We're also releasing our classic action games from uh, Xbox Live Indie to Steam. Yes, it's been a secret, but we did a strange teaser trailer recently to let people know it's happening. Although I watched the trailer and I didn't know that's what it was for either. Um, but uh, he said we're very excited to be bringing Weapon of Choice shoot one up explosion aid and game type all to steam very soon you're the first place we've announced this so <laughs> rfn nice. exclusive 
these old Xbox games are coming to Steam. You heard it here first on our Nintendo podcast. <laughs> God <laughs> but damn it. Actually, I know, I know John and I have played these games, and I yep. can recommend all of them. I think yeah, they're all, all good. The, uh, especially Weapon of Choice and Shoot One Up are amazing. Mm. And uh, Explosion Aid also has some uh, some interesting connections to Blaster Master. Um, so look forward to those on Steam. I, I highly recommend them, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick those up for not very much money. You'll get a lot of fun out of them. Yep. Uh, all right, so moving on to the actual um, to his actual comments on Blaster Master. Um, Nathan says... Uh, man, do I love that game, obviously. There's a lot of love in it, and I think the details are just incredible. Starting off with the wheels on Sophia the Third, that's the tank, yes. uh, that are just too cool. Having the simple little slit on the side of the wheel, which lets you see them turn. It's a nice touch. Between that animation and the weight of the tank, it feels incredible. Driving up and down hills and seeing the wheels spin a little first is really neat. Leaping in and out of your tank is amazing. The helplessness of leaving the tank is intense, and you definitely feel small in the big alien world. I think the agility you have when leaping forward from your tank while it's on the fly can be seen in the new Arkham Knight and leaping directly from the Batmobile. <laughs> Once Jason enters a dungeon, though, uh, and and uh, you have to to have the scale zoom down on him to have all the new art for everything. It was a big deal back then, uh, and even now for all that development time. Another tricky detail is how Jason's firing arm is slightly offset, and it actually comes into gameplay. You have to factor in just where your gun is, as it's not held directly in the middle of your character like most top-down games. It's not easy fun to have a blind spot, but pretty amazing to have in a game. Which leads into how dang tough the game is. I mean, really tough. In some ways, it's almost as brutal as a roguelike in that it's offering a long exploration game with very limited continues and damage that takes away up and uh, weapon upgrades. You really have to be careful sticking your nose into new places, or you have to invest a lot of time knowing every area. Uh, my own forever delayed game, Grapple Buggy, is a blend of Blaster Master and Bionic Commando. You see why I'm interested in it? Uh, yep. Basically, I love the idea of the crazy buggy tank exploring a Metroid world, but wanted to add a grappling hook a la Bi Bionic Commando. Grapple Buggy is still alive in the background here at Mommy's Best Games, but it won't be next out the door. But it does have a special place in my heart, plus my kids keep bugging me to finish it. <laughs> yeah, so um, do we. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, well, I, I try to remind him about it as much as possible. Yep. Um, and then uh, one last thing, uh, uh, Nathan mentions that he does have an upcoming action puzzle game called Pig Eat Ball. Uh, I don't know very much about that one, but... Um, I would assume a pig eats keep... a ball. Yeah, it, so it sounds like... I think he was making it for Ouya at one point, oh. um, but I, I assume that he's now moved on to greener <laughs> pastures. That, that is a man who so, picks his platforms with a curious imprecision. <laughs> he sure does. He went from Xbox Live indie games to Ouya. Um, but uh, I, I am a, I'm really a big fan of what Nathan does. And gra I've played Grapple Buggy a long time ago at PAX East, and he really nailed the feel of that tank. It feels a lot like Blaster Master, except mm -hmm. it has a crazy grappling hook that you can shoot up and swing on the ceiling. So uh, it is, it's, uh, it's, it's worth being excited about, and I really hope one day we all get to play it. But uh, I thank you, thank you very much, Nathan, for for writing in and sharing those thoughts on Blaster Master. It was nice to hear a, a developer's take on it because obviously he appreciates some aspects of the game and and how difficult they would be to implement back then. So I I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, but if I can get back to the my other screen, um, 
I think we should uh, lead into some of the spin-offs and other games in the Blaster Master series with this comment from Hell's Attack, which was posted in the forums. Uh, and by the way, he, he mentioned that he bought this game uh, for the NES at a vacuum repair store. Because back in the 80s, that, <laughs> that, could that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> NES games were sold in a lot of weird places back then. Well, and vacuum repair uh, stores anyway. were still a thing. <laughs> right, yeah, you probably can't even find those anymore. Um, you just buy a new vacuum. So anyway, uh, Hell's Attack wrote, uh, I bought Blaster Master Enemy Below in high school but never finished it. Now that it's on 3DS, I'm planning to go back and finish it. If you like this game, you'd love Blaster Master Overdrive for the Wii. Uh, it fixes a lot of problems, although not all. I did beat that one, and it was really good. And uh, I know that uh, uh, some of you guys have played some of the other sequels and spinoffs, and I have—I've only played Overdrive, um, and I've talked about that on the show, so I—I I won't repeat my thoughts about Overdrive. But I would love to hear what you guys thought of the other Blaster Master games in the series. Yeah, I mean, Overdrive it, for me—I—I I bought it um, and played some of it. I found it kind of vanilla. A little bit, I don't know. It wasn't as yeah, engaging. Like it, right. Well, it does fix a lot of the problems that we have with the original, but it introduces new problems. You know, like the mm-hmm. it, first, it has saves, which helps a lot. Second, mm-hmm. uh, it has a ton of power ups that you that you can find a little bit everywhere, and I think that helps. Like one of the problems I have with the NES game is that Jason never really powers up all that much, or you know when you get hit, he loses his weapon power-ups. But he's always as fragile at the beginning as he is at the end of the game. And uh, at least in Blaster Master Overdrive, like you get incremental uh, health upgrades. You get upgrades, health upgrades for your uh, tank. Um, your tank uses kind of has a, a sub meter for for the special weapons like you can shoot out of the grapple actually and that uses uh some of that energy and as we said like we we mentioned that the hover in the nes game uh you have to find capsules to replenish the fuel well here you've got this gauge that refills when you land on the ground um so like all these things that we could have wished for in like a super nintendo sequel they finally made it out in this uh, Blaster Master Overdrive for the Wii. Um, but then, you know, some new problems like uh, the overhead uh, segments are all look the same. They all look like the same freaking cave. Or yeah. uh, the music loops, like the, the loops are really, really short. Because I, I suspect that maybe the, the 40 megabyte limit that WiiWare had played into that. So I, I, I think... Personally, as someone who has tried a lot in, in recent years to get into Blaster Master and, and kind of keeps failing because it's just too damn hard, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think that I enjoy Blaster Master Overdrive more. I think that I would steer someone who wants to discover the franchise, I would steer them towards the, the Overdrive game instead of the original. Just because of yeah. all these niceties and, and the saves, and uh, it just makes it more, uh, yeah, like it's a better introduction. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a game where you sort of had to be there to really fall in love with it at the time, because now there's a lot of stuff. I think you, so. A lot of this stuff you play it and you're like, holy shit, this is hard, or like, why did they do this, or why is that missing? And at the time, that stuff wasn't you, you tolerated that stuff, right? Um, it's like, right. like the the lack of a map. I mean, any game now is going to be like you know Shovel Knight and have a map, and 
you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, well, back I would then love, it was now, normal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now that this is the kind of game that I would love to see have Shovel Knight treatment. That would be fantastic. Oh, oh John. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Holy I'm going to have to crap. change my pants. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm going to make a note here to edit out disgusting. <laughs> this whole segment. I'm going to need edit. a shovel to clean out my pants. Just edit out oh, the God. whole. Just, you know what? And it's going to take you all night. Hey. Just, just burn the whole show to the ground. Just 40 yep. minutes of uh, of the music and we'll call it a day. Yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just to, to give you an idea of how much I've tried to, to get into Blaster Master, I also have, for some reason, Blaster Master Enemy Below. I got it on the 3DS uh, Virtual Console when it came out. Is this the Game Boy Color game? It is the Game Boy Color game. And what's weird is that it is almost identical. Like, the same enemies, the same uh, graphics, like the, the tiles, the, the stuff like that, and... I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like it's a remake or if it's like the same game, but you know, like a port because the, the, the opening, uh, story is different. There's this kind of weird organism that's escaping from a lab. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But what's especially funny is that in the manual for the game, they explain a way why the game is almost identical. Like apparently this creature as it escaped, uh, the life form was apparently hollowing out subterranean niches in the image of its old ha- haunts. So, <laughs> so basically, yeah, you're playing a sequel, but uh, this creature kind of dug exactly the same passages as the NES game. So, uh, have fun playing the same game again, you know, except not <laughs> yeah, quite. That's too bad. <laughs> there was another game on yeah. the Game Boy Color that pulled that same trick. I just blanking on what it was. It was like this is a sequel, except the levels are exactly the same. Mega Man, maybe. Probably. That sounds like a Capcom thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but uh, Enemy uh, enemy Below, I again, I, I can't really get into it. Having safe states uh, helps, but um, I think it's even worse uh, in the overhead areas than the original because there are enemies that basically their shots will follow you wherever you go. Jason is way too slow of a character to avoid, to, to dodge any missiles, any kind of projectiles. And so these enemies that you have to shoot down to upgrade your weapon will hit you a couple of times before you can kill them. So that means that you can never really upgrade your gun. And uh, I don't know, it didn't seem worth sticking with. I, I think if I was making a, a sequel or a spiritual successor to Blaster Master, I would just not have the top-down stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a cool idea that you have two completely different styles of gameplay and they're mashed up. It was amazing at the time when Blaster Master first came out. But so ultimately, you, I think you, you go back now and it's pretty obvious which section of the so game you is, are is more fun and better. Hmm. You, you are suggesting the act razor to it. Yeah. I mean, I, in, mm. except pick the best part of the game and make that not the, the worst game. part. Not the I mean, worst I th- part. Of the I game. think I think you could definitely do better with the overhead stuff and make that work well. Um, I actually found some of the platforming in the tank stuff to be kind of finicky sometimes, and it, part of that was the NES, like those mines, the landmines that would wouldn't show up at the very bottom of the screen, but when you jump down, suddenly there they were, and you've landed on them, and you've just, they've just gone off. But yeah. Some some of the jumping didn't feel a hundred percent right. Like like I want for I mean ultimately that game is a platformer as the tank, which mm-hmm. is weird. You it's mm-hmm. a platforming car game. Um, 
Yeah. But which is something you would expect to see as an indie game now, but or game described that way, a platforming car game. But ultimately, like I feel like the overhead stuff has way more room to improve functionally, and you could make it yeah. significantly better. I thought it was kind of weird that the tank stuff was more the focus of exploration than the on-foot stuff. Because the on-foot stuff, a lot of times, it, with the exception of the fact that the almost the entire ground was hazard, sort of borrows heavily from, you know, the isometric scrolling, you know, expanding area kind of a la Zelda on the NES. You know, there's you essentially you come into a room from one of the cardinal directions and you can go in the other three. And eventually one path will lead you to the boss. It was just not as interconnected as those areas are, but it was it functionally played fairly similar. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can find a wall, you hug it until you reach next door, and then you enter that door, and eventually maybe you'll find the boss. Right. Eventually you will solve the binary tree that is the path to that boss. Yep. Um, it's just it, like we know that that, that that format works. You know, we've played games like Zelda and also classics like Frobot and found that, yeah, you can do that and make a fantastic game. Um, Fro- Did you just drop a reference to Frobot? <laughs> I yes. might have. I appreciated uh, that. That's why I got a chuckle out of me. Very uh, subtle, James. About, Very subtle. Uh, what, have, have any of us ever played Blaster Master 2 on the Genesis? No, It doesn't I have never a have. great reputation. Uh, yeah, it I've heard bad not. things. Bad, bad yeah, things. Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, well, it's Genesis yeah, games, Like, right? I've, actually, I've actually downloaded the ROM for it on my hacked Wii. And, you mean uh, you bought a copy of it because this is a podcast where we totally talk about Totally legitimate. Legal. Bought a Genesis. Look, I, don't, I don't even like Blaster Master, and I've got the game <laughs> on the <laughs> Wii. On the 3DS, Dang. I've got the, the Game Boy sequel. I've got uh, Overdrive. Like I think I've got. I've given Sunsoft. I've never played my money. Have the right? Jason. I bought a frog. Do you have the book, Guillaume? If you don't have the book, <laughs> shut Jason. your damn mouth. Jason. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you for dropping. <laughs> out of curiosity, out of curiosity, I checked out the Genesis game, and it's kind of weird because I played it immediately immediately after checking out Overdrive, and the graphics are strangely similar, even though Overdrive was made by the original maker of the NES game, and the Genesis game was uh, made by Software Creations, uh, a UK developer who had nothing to do with the original game. That's always a strong pedigree. Ugh. We've sent this <laughs> yeah, game to another continent. Sign. Yeah, it is a bad sign, and uh, it's just, um, you know, I've seen some interviews with uh, one of the producers of the game, and he said, yeah, well, we didn't really have enough time and money, and uh, yeah, it kind of shows the... the that old refrain. Uh, the, the the game does have some, some good stuff, like, I, I, I kind of enjoy the fact that your weapons do not downgrade when you get hit. Um, there's also stuff like uh, you pick up a, an armor power-up, uh, from a boss, and so Jason, both Jason and a tank, Jason. get increased resistance. You know, there's some cool, cool stuff there, but um, they they kind of messed up with the the, the tank. There there is platforming, side scroller platforming with a tank, but it's just not very satisfying. It's the, they, they, I think they kind of lose the interconnectedness of the the world. Okay, well that's just because it's a Genesis game. They're terrible. Right. Yeah. Hey that's just, man, that's just it being on the Genesis. I got some love for Genesis. I'm going to say I'm probably the only one of us who's played Blaster Master Blasting Again on the PS1. I can't believe like, – like, that's, that <laughs> it, is the ultimate It should PS- stay that way. <laughs> like, like it, you didn't have to say it was a PS1 game because I'm guessing that came out in 97. Two, try, let's try 2000 because I played this game at E3. What? Bro. What yeah. the 
Like, like this feels You're like damn straight. This feels like something that would have happened around the time they remade Centipede on the on the PlayStation. What the fuck? Two thousand. It came out in North America actually on May six, two thousand one, <laughs> <laughs> on the PlayStation One. Yeah, and the dog. world never recovered. It's a it's a three D kind of bird's eye view. Oh, God. Yeah, game. I, it. I I, I think... remember being really excited when I saw the 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 banner for it, and I went over and played the demo and thought, mm, this doesn't really feel like Blaster Master first... at all. Uh, was that the yeah. first time E three broke your heart? Oh no. no. Oh okay, there, good. There were I... there were many other things there as there always are. This was back in Kentia Hall, so where it Blaster belongs. Master, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this game I, has really gotten the shaft with sequels in general. Y- this, you know, yeah, uh, Overdrive is definitely the best. I mean, it's not perfect, and there's it's still got issues, especially the control layout is really bad. Uh, but but Overdrive is worth playing if you're a fan of Blaster Master. I think it's it's worth checking out. And hey, if you got a Wii U, you can still download it through the Wii Shop channel on there. Um, and it's it's a pretty good game actually. You know, I was looking at. The platforming in in Overdrive, just looking at some some images of of you know what it expected you to do, and I was trying to think of this what what game playing Blaster Master reminded me of, and I finally hit it looking at these, and because it looks like they cribbed it a little bit, a little bit like controlling the tank in um shoot the SNK series. What uh, uh, oh Metal Slug Metal yeah. Slug yeah yeah like, that's actually yeah. very accurate. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, except, I would ex- imagine ex- that Metal Slug was a little bit inspired by Blaster Master. The one the, thing Metal the, Slug the has style going of that for tank, it, the animation. The one thing Metal Slug has going for it though is you can angle the gun, which like yeah. I'm I'm oh, looking yeah. at screenshots here of Overdrive, and you know, please tell me you can angle the gun, please. In Overdrive, yeah, it's much easier than in the the, okay. the, the NES game. Okay, yeah. all right, that's good because all the screenshots were pointed in cardinal directions. I thought, no, they can't have put out a Wii <laughs> game. It doesn't. No. Okay, so we're good. Yeah, but Overdrive is weird because it, it does seem like uh, you would need the uh, the homing missiles and the lightning and like these extra weapons that the original had, but they take them away. Maybe at some point, I, there's a power-up that I haven't picked up yet that allows you to deal with that, but uh, right now, pain in the butt. I don't remember, but there probably is. Yeah, yeah it, it's so. worth checking out. So... Uh, I, I guess that's going to wrap up our discussion of Blaster Master, unless there are any final thoughts from you guys. It's a tough game. I mean, it's. I think it's. Uh, it's. It's. It's interesting because I think it's. It's a very polarizing game. If you uh, it, and it was a game very much of its time period. I think more so than even a lot of other NES games, where it had a lot of glitches and kind of stuff like that. Where you kind of like, if you were an NES player back then, you you tolerated them because there was really nothing. Nothing better out there. In other words, it I, wasn't. I it, disagree with that statement well, fervently. Uh, what, what I mean is, mm. there it, ways to solve those problems hadn't been presented at that time. I mean, looking back, all those years now, it's like, uh, you know, there's so many ways to solve those problems design-wise. But at the time, it was just that kind of stuff was tolerated much more so than it is now. And it's, I mean, and it's a tough game. It's not a, you know, it's one of the toughest games out there. So, so yeah, yeah, I, I feel it's hard like. To go back to. I, I, yeah, I agree. And I think I have said this in the previous uh, episode, but um, I think NES games, like hard games, I can deal with as long as I have infinite lives or continues. Like I feel like I can bang my head <laughs> against pretty much any challenge for long enough. Like eventually I'll, I'll get through. But if you put 
limited continues in my way, like in Ninja Gaiden 3, that's still the only NES game of that series that I haven't beaten. Why? Because you get three continues. Right. And this, this game yep. is the same deal. Like, I, I think every time I give up on it, it's because I'm, you know, at some point I remember, oh yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm making progress here, but not fast enough and not without taking damage. Like it, you know, I'm probably going to run out of steam before the end. And then, you know, and then what? I'm just going to be even more frustrated. The, the, the longer I keep playing this game, the more I'm going to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. Like now with th- this was worse when I had the Wii VC version because you didn't have the save states. Mm-hmm. Now that I have it on 3DS, mm, I don't know. Maybe I can see myself going back uh, and, and actually finishing it, but I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to <laughs> abuse the save states in a game oh, like yeah. this, but at the minimum, you can just use save states like continues and just give yourself infinite continues. If you only right. use it at the start of a new life, then then you can just treat it like infinite continues in that way. So it, it really does fix that aspect of the game, I think. Yeah, well, save states for me are like, I don't know, they get more and more addictive. Like you start using them once and then (laughs) soon enough you're just uh, save stating every corner that you turn, you know. Every enemy you you kind of become abusive with them, but uh, that's fair. Uh, Well, then don't play any PC games. That's how the the save system works in most PC games. Yeah, I know. All right, guys. Well... Um, I think uh, we, we got a good hour here on Blaster Master, which I'm actually kind of thrilled about because I think it's a wonderful and, and rich game to, to discuss. And, and I certainly recommend that people play it uh, if, if they've never uh, done so before. But uh, I think we should take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, um, I'll have a few uh, parting thoughts and uh, we'll wrap up the, the episode there. So uh, we'll be right back. Jason. Alright. Jason! <laughs> Jason! Jason! It's now playing a sampling of the best new original content at NintendoWorldReport.com. Hey, John. Hey, James. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yourself? I'm, I'm pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. We're recording this on Sunday, so everybody, so everybody knows. Yep. We record this on Sunday. We record yep. the episode on Thursday. We the day of the Sabbath, James. It's we do. The day we're supposed to be resting. Yep. We're supposed to be resting. Instead, we're doing this. First off, I want to ask, John, are there any fellatio jokes in the script today? Uh, no, there are no, no fellatio okay, jokes. Okay, good. I don't want to have to go through that again. Nope. Because, you know, this is the last time we're doing this and I'm not hosting the show. You're the host in my heart, though, now. I mean, you have to understand okay. that. Yeah, that's true. Un- until you guys kick me out of the hosting chair, which I assume will be sometime next Thursday. Yeah, you have a, you have a, you have a three-show contract right now. I was about to say, oh, I'm just probably done. I figured we'd start recording at 9, and I'd be out by, like, 9.15. We'll see. We're on probation. Um, uh, okay, I was just going to read. Actually, I was just going to read you know, from a book that you and I, the audience doesn't know what this book is, but you and I know what it is. That was going to be how we're going to do next week's episode. I know what this book is. You guys will find out in it's about... It's unnecessary. You guys will find out in about 10 minutes. The yes. book's unnecessary or me reading it's unnecessary? You reading it is unnecessary. The book, I don't know. The book being necessary, I, that's the jury's still out. The book is vital. 
but there is concern that as the host of the show, we won't be able to, for me to do these kinds of things anymore because they're just so completely immature. Okay. But I'm probably still doing these things because the audience demands it. The audience demands it. And that's why we're here because you demand it. And even when you send us emails saying, stop doing it, we know in your heart you're saying, please keep doing it. Oh, James. <laughs> so, John, we got a preview. You know what it's a preview of? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. It's even though you wrote it. It's Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer. 3DS. Can you guess who did it? <laughs> There's only one man suited for this for this job. His name is Don the Don. Yes. It's only right that everybody's favorite interior designer, Don Cooper, got this assignment. Are you curious about how this AC spinoff actually plays? Are you looking forward to the 400 Amiibo card feature? Yes. Do you have a Tom Nook tattoo? Not in any place visible. And if you do, please don't show it to us. And you've got to check out his preview. John, I've got some news unrelated to the preview, but related to this game. Okay. They managed to sell through the entire first pack of these cards in Japan. Uh, knowing the human race like I do, that doesn't surprise me. Speaking of knowing the human race, knowing the human race deeply and unsurprisingly, we have a review mini of Zeo Drifter, the Wii Wii Shop by Zach. Zach does the sensible thing, amazingly enough, and tells us how the Wii U version of Zeo Drifter differs from the version already released on 3DS. Find out how effectively it uses the gamepad, how it looks on the gamepad screen, and how somebody can work a Goldilocks reference into a game review. You did it. You know, we know the human race. Yep. All right, we have a review of Tiny Galaxy for Wii U by Curtis Bonds. Are you thinking about buying this game? You nah. might want to consider reading Curtis's review before doing so. It looks like this section of space can be fun, but can also be glitchy, so you might want to think twice before throwing your wallet into this black hole. I'm going to give you credit on that one. That was nice. Thank you. All right. And we also have videos. This is more of a video roundup. This week we have a bunch of fun videos, including 14 minutes of off-screen Star Fox Zero footage. I think that's from E3. Probably. Yeah. Um, and also Kim and Becky dancing through E3. So if you want to see a dance party on our website, I know you do. You're going to want to check that out. I was watching that video at like 3 in the morning last night with some alcohol in my system and thought, wait, is this real or am I asleep now? Yeah, I kind of started watching it and kind of couldn't stop. I don't know. Like, so if you ever wanted to wonder, am I asleep right now, or is this really happening? There you go. Also be on the lookout for Curtis Bonds' Mario Mania, in which he live streams every mainline Mario game leading up to next month's release of Super Mario Maker. We have those posted on the site, but of course, you have to be there when it's live for the stream to be up. Good times to be had all around. All around. And you can get all around NintendoWorldReport.com. Okay, everybody, uh, we're back for one last uh, section here of, of uh, RFN, and um, I guess uh, this will be my last segment as a, as a regular member of the show. Um, I've, uh, I've been doing this for a very long time. Um, we took over, uh, James, John, and Greg and I took over the show back in January of 2008, mm-hmm. so it's been seven and a half years. Uh, Guillaume has been with us for about three Mm-hmm. I think back in May was your third anniversary. Is that right? Yep. So, um, it, it, I, I've been hosting the show for a very long time. Um, for the, the vast majority of, of, uh, of it being around, um, RFN turns 10 years old next June. 
uh, basically early June of, of 2016. Um, so uh, it, it's been around a long time. I'm, I'm not the original host, and I won't be the last host, thankfully. Um, but I've been doing it for um, longer than anybody else. Uh, and um, um, since my uh, announcement, and, and I know it was a surprise last week, and I, I apologize for kind of springing it on people. Um, <laughs> I just kind of felt like, uh, you know, one, once we had all the dominoes uh, set up, I kind of felt like I wanted to go ahead and do it and not drag it out for uh, a really long time because uh, that that seems like it would be a, a bit self-centered and um, unnecessary. So um, it's been, you know, it, it's weird because between the time that that last episode went out to the public and, and when we're recording this has only been about four days. Um, and uh, in that time, I've heard from a ton of people, um, and, and I'm sure not everybody has even caught up to the episode. If, if you don't follow us on Twitter and whatnot, um, you know, some people probably haven't even heard about it and still I've, um, I've, I've gotten, um, dozens and dozens of, of wonderful, uh, extremely kind, uh, emails from people and forum posts and tweets and, and, uh, I really appreciate all of them. For four days, basically, we've been receiving John Stewart's mail. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really it's so a bizarre it's John coincidence. Voyage, I guess, right? Yeah, we, we we missed we missed that for you, Johnny. I want you to point. Norm, normally, I Johnny Voyage. Yeah, normally I'm just I'm just checked out during the show, but I actually paid attention today. Mm-hmm. I didn't oh. even know Johnny was leaving until the beginning. Don't of the worry. Show, so. Once I once I get into the hosting chair, I will definitely stop paying attention. So we'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I, um, I'm not going to be able to respond to every single person, but I, I, um, I, I really appreciate, I've read all of them and, and, um, it's been heartwarming and, um, emotional to read a lot of the, the messages that I've gotten from people. And I, and I really appreciate everybody who's taken the time to, um, to say something about it and to, to share some memories and some thoughts. Um, and, and I, I didn't really give a lot of detail last week, um, at the end of the show about, what's going on here and why this is all happening. And I promised that I would. So I want to start off um, this last segment by explaining myself a little bit and, and telling you why uh, this is happening. I wanted to, to start off by saying um, that, uh, you know, I'm, it's not an easy decision. And I've, um, I've had a lot of second thoughts since I first kind of decided to, to go ahead with this. Um, I've, uh, I mean, honestly, obviously over seven and a half years, there's been a number of times that I've thought about, you know, whether I should keep doing the show, whether I'm still um, effective, whether it's getting stale, um, whether I have anything left to say, <laughs> whether I have time, you know, what it, what am I giving up to, to continue doing the show? Um, and, uh, you know, I probably would have, have quit a couple years ago, um, but uh, a couple things happened that really kind of, I think, kept me around. And the first was the flood, um, which was about two years ago now. Um, and uh, a, a lot of people have actually mentioned that um, in writing writing in over the past couple of days. But that was a, a huge event in, in my personal life. And um, I, I talked about it a little bit at the time, but having the show um, to, to listen to during the, the couple of weeks when I was really kind of recovering and putting my life back in order um, and then having the regularity of it um, in the aftermath of the flood really 
helped. It was it was kind of my part of my support structure. It, it kind of helped me cope uh, with that disaster and uh, and come back from it. And it was kind of the one consistent, dependable, normal part of my life for a few months um, after after that happened. Uh, and then uh, last year, uh, about a year later after the flood, um, I got laid off from my job. It was uh, it was a heartbreaking and and very difficult time for me. I was unemployed for a few months, and um, during that time, uh, having the podcast every week, it really gave me some structure to my life. It gave me something to look forward to. It gave me something to to work on and be productive on when it seemed like everything else was sort of in limbo and and nothing was happening, uh, and I didn't have anything useful to do with myself. So um, th- those two events really kind of um, made me uh, reevaluate, you know, what I was doing with my life and it made me appreciate what I get out of doing the show and, and, and what you guys, um, mean to me. Um, and so, um, you know, that, that really kind of helped keep me going for a while. Um, but I, I mean, to be honest lately, you know, over the past several months, at least, um, I felt like I haven't been performing up to my, the standards that I set for myself. Um, you know, the, the energy that I want to bring to the show that I want the show to have. Um, I, I don't really feel like I've been able to sustain that. I, you know, I don't know that I have the passion for it that I used to. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I was in my mid twenties when I started this and now I'm 33. Um, and my life has changed in many, 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 many ways since I started hosting the show. And, uh, it's been kind of the one constant through, uh, a lot of other changes. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, there are times when I feel like I'm the, the thing keeping the show from, um, being fresh and innovative and, and unpredictable and exciting, um, because I've been doing this for so long. Um, it's funny because, uh, uh, you know, I think the, probably the common theme among um, a lot of the people who've written in um, since they heard the announcement last week is, you know, I, I, I can't believe you're leaving and, and uh, you know, I, I don't understand it. And, um, and then from the people who know me personally and, and who I work with on the website and here on the show, the, the more, the common theme there was, I can't believe you did it for so long. And why did, <laughs> why did it take you so long to reach this decision? Um, <laughs> you know, I can't believe you actually kept it up for seven and a half years and, and I can't believe it either. I mean, if you told me back then in 2008 that, that I'd be doing this for, for so long, I, I would have laughed at you. Um, it just kind of kept that way. And, and, and ultimately I, I think it's a quirk of my personality that I'm, I'm not good at quitting things. You know, when I, when I find something that I like and that I feel like I'm good at and that I can contribute to, um, I, I enjoy the longevity of it. I, I enjoy the endurance and the commitment and, and, um, for me, the, the consistency of doing the show every week, uh, is part of the challenge of it, but it's also part of the fun, you know, that having the consistent structure and, and trying to maintain, um, some variety in that and, and trying to keep making a new show and a different show and, and a fresh show every week. Um, that, that has been the, the true test and the, and the fun of, of doing it for so long. And, and that has kind of been waning for me over the past few months. And it's really just because I don't have the energy. I mean, my, I don't have the free time. I don't, 
you know, I can't play the games that I want to play anymore for the show and, and otherwise. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, as my life has become busier and more structured and, and, um, and, and I've had other priorities kind of creep in, um, it's harder for me to really have the commitment to the show that I used to have. And so that's why I, I wanted to do this now. But the, you know, the, the, the big thing is, well, there, there's a project coming up. So, I mean, I think, you know, for, for me, retiring right now from, from the podcast is, is a, is a very positive thing. It's something that I need. Um, it's something that, uh, will be very good for me. I think it'll let me recharge. It'll let me go out and try to do new things that I haven't really had the time or the energy to really kind of jump into because I've been doing the show. Um, and it, and it takes up a ton of time and a ton of energy. Um, and, um, it, it, it takes a lot of my thought to, to kind of keep up with the show and to stay prepared for it and to stay current on, on everything. So, um, this will be a chance for me to play more games. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, chipping away at my backlog and trying out my new Xbox and, and playing a lot of wheat. I like, I haven't beaten Bayonetta two yet, Oh man! <laughs> which is, it's not even a long game. Um, so I'm, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff like that that I'm actually looking forward to going back and, and actually having time to play now. So, um, and, and I'm going to write a book. That's the, that's the big thing. Um, so that's the thing that I think nobody a, listening. A second book. This is true. Yeah, another, well, a fourth, a fourth book, if you count my thesis and dissertation. Um, but I, I love writing. I mean, I, I think, um, at, at my core, I'm a writer. Um, whenever I've had moments where I, I was at a crossroads in life or I, I didn't know what to do next or I had a break between school and work um, or work and work, uh, I've always gone back to writing. And that's what drew me into the website in the first place. And it's what I did for a very long time. I haven't been able to write very much lately um, and I miss it and I'm, I'm excited to jump back into it. So the project that... Um, kind of ultimately gave me the excuse to retire from the podcast and, and to really move into something else, uh, is, uh, that, um, I'm going to write a book about Nintendo world report. Um, it's something I've been thinking about for years and years and years. And, and, um, I knew that I would never have time to do both the book and the podcast simultaneously. And so, um, to really commit to writing the book and doing the research for it, uh, and, and giving it the energy that it deserves. Um, I, I knew that I would have to, to kind of set the podcast aside and, and move on from it. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I'm really looking forward to this. In fact, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. I have a, a lot of big plans for it and, and I want to do it properly. Um, and I want to do a good job on it. Um, one thing that I, I, I hope people will look forward to is that, uh, I, I've, I've had this idea um, for writing the book, um, about, uh, Planet GameCube and, and Nintendo World Report, um, that, um, I want to do a series of interviews with people who've been involved with it and, um, and, uh, and kind of publish that as a podcast series. So, um, I hope people will look forward to that. I'm, um, I'm going to be making a list of people I want to, to, to talk to and, uh, and get their stories and their memories and kind of get the behind the scenes view of what happened. And, and, uh, I'm, re I'm really excited about that. And, and I think it'll be a, a way to promote the book, but also it'll be part of my research. Um, I've got hard drives full of 
tens of thousands of emails, thousands of articles that I wrote and edited and that other people worked on. Um, I've got graphics, artwork, uh, some amazing material to, to pull from to, to draw this book and to find the best stories. Um, this month, actually, August 2015, marks 15 years since I joined the, the staff of Planet N2000, as it was called at the time. Um, and, uh, and, and a couple years later, I, I took over as director after Billy uh, went to Game Informer. And uh, I ran the website as director uh, of Planet GameCube for a few years. Of course, John did that as well later on. Um, and John's one of the people I, I'm hoping to talk to. Uh, and uh, actually, all the directors of the website, I, I really want to talk to, and, and because they have some amazing perspective on everything that's happened. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I've 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 seen a lot of stuff over the years, and I've seen the amazing people that come through and and uh, and have been part of this organization, and have have kept it alive, have kept it flourishing and and active, and have kept it passionate. And um, a lot of people who listen to the show have have gone on to join the staff and and become involved in various different ways um, and that's been I extremely satisfying it's been you know it's it's been one of the best parts about working on the show is that we connect to people and they get they, they find that they're so interested in Nintendo and 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 they want to be a part of the conversation and a part of um, a part of the community and they they end up volunteering for the staff um, and so uh, I, I want to reach out to those people and talk to them and, and find out what, what makes them tick, what, what motivates them, um, what, what they're interested in, what their goals are, what their, you know, what their struggles have been. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to digging into all that and, and, uh, putting it on paper and on eBooks and, and everything else and, uh, and, and trying to, trying to do it justice. Um, and, and that will be my, um, my final contribution to Nintendo World Report. Um, I, I expect the book to take about two years to, to complete. I haven't even started it as of right now. It's all kind of an outline in my head. Um, so I have a lot of planning to do and, and, and a ton of work, and it's going to take a very long time to, to do all the research and, and, um, and all, all the writing and editing for it. Um, but I, I expect in two or three years um, we'll have a, a really nice product to, to show for it. And uh, at that point, I'm going to retire all the way. Uh, and I'll, I'll step away from Nintendo World Report. And uh, if it's still going at that time, I certainly hope that it, that it will be. Um, then I will uh, no longer be a part of it for the first time since the year 2000. And uh, by then, I, I will be a middle-aged man. Uh, I will have worked on the website for half my life. And uh, <clears throat> that'll be a whole other stage of, of separation and, and emotion. Uh, it'll be very hard to, to kind of, uh, give it up and walk away. But, uh, I, I think it'll, it'll be a healthy thing to do, um, for me. So, um, anyway, uh, to that, that's kind of the, that's the, the tale of, of how we got to this point and where I'm at with, with my plans and what I'm going to be doing. I want to reiterate that I'm going to be around. I'll still be involved with the website, although I'll basically be the official historian of the website from this point forward. Um, but I, I'll be available. I'll be playing games. I'll be uh, chatting about them. And, uh, and, and if, if these guys uh, ever need anything, 
uh, for the podcast, I'll, I'll be available. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm at their beck and call and, and they know that they can reach out to me. Um, to lighten the mood a little bit, I want to, uh, to move into another uh, a, a little segment, a, mi a micro segment here. Uh, I'm going to call this prescriptions since I'm a doctor. I don't, I don't usually play that card, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give out some prescriptions here on my last episode of, of RFN. Um, and, it's and better be funny, really, Matt, so you're in trouble. Um, I, I did my best. Segment. I did my best. Um, all right. So first off, my first prescription from Dr. Metz goes to Square Enix. Uh, cut a Dragon Ball Z style trailer for Dragon Quest and slather it all over Saturday mornings. You can sell that game. I can show you how to sell that game. It's not that hard. Uh, Konami, pull the plug already. You don't have to be dicks about it. Quit teasing people. Release Metal Gear and then move on. D change your name. Don't don't jerk your fans around. They're most of them are gone anyway. But yeah, you're not gonna keep making games. Don't even act like it like you might. Uh, for Capcom, make video games. Just do that. Make make some games. Make good games. You're you used to be everybody's favorite. Now I I I don't know if you're anybody's favorite, and it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, find your soul, re rekindle whatever magic you used to have, and and, and be Capcom. That because we you know we we love Capcom. Or at least we love the idea of Capcom. Uh, Nintendo. This is, a, this is a big one. Uh, Nintendo. Maker. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to tell Nintendo what to do. Yes, yeah, This is well. a first for the podcast. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not going to listen. Uh, Nint <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not going to listen. What's your point, this. John? Uh, Nintendo. Make your hardware feel like a good value to the customer. I, I don't. I think you've really lost that over the past several years. You're still making good hardware, you're making excellent games, but you're not reaching the average person, and it's because they feel like uh, if they buy a Nintendo system, they, there aren't that many games for them to choose from, and they're paying too much for underpowered equipment, and uh, it, it doesn't have to be that way. So uh, make people feel like they're getting a good value, and, uh, and, and the other thing is embrace openness with your fans. Talk, talk to your fans. Let them know that you're actually listening to them. I, I, I think the fact that we're still doing this show after so long, it kind of proves that your fans have a lot to say. They think about you a lot. Uh, they're really interested in what you're doing. They really care about mm -hmm. what's going on and what games you're making. Please listen to them. Let them know that you're listening to them. And that goes a long way, even if you don't take any of their advice or or fulfill any of their requests. At least let us know that you hear us. That that would mean a lot to us. Um, all right, and and then some personal prescriptions for my good friend Greg, who's not here this week, but you're going to hear him um, starting next week and hopefully for a long time to come. And and I'm I'm really excited about that. Greg, just accept that everybody loves you. Everybody adores Greg, and uh, I don't know, and man. get used to it because you're going to hear that a lot. <laughs> John. I got some shit to say uh, to him first episode out. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, why, why, why wait, John? I mean, just let no, no, us... no. I want to say it to his face. Oh, okay. To, to his to his voice. All right, uh, Guillaume, get into a yes. few arguments. You you're you're a real expert. You have a lot to say. It deserves to be heard. Uh, if you hear some shit from these other guys, don't be afraid to call him out on it. 
Uh, well, you know, Judge John would agree. I don't. Yeah, no, John would agree. I don't. I don't get into arguments really. <laughs> it doesn't really happen, it, John. <laughs> oh, how timely that was, John. <laughs> John, this one's real easy. You should dig into Rare Replay. It's an amazing collection. You've already got the system for it. It'll give you new business for at least thirty weeks. <laughs> Jesus, I don't want to hear John talk about Jetpack for 12 minutes. Oh, man. Yes, I didn't, never thought of You're it. I never thought it. of that angle. God. Uh, James, uh, I, I hope you'll depend on your team uh, more than I did and and uh, and, and take advantage of, of all their expertise and, and passion. They're very talented and dedicated and... Um, and, uh, and and I, I hope you'll trust in them and, and let them um, be equal contributors to the show. Uh, also, play a good game sometime. I, <laughs> I play great games. And I will say, at first pass, I'm going to pass off as much responsibility as I can. So don't worry about that. Hey, John, how are you feeling about hosting That's good. Our, how you feeling about hosting That's our good. bed, John? Hey, <laughs> it's the podcast, people. Hey, I can do this all day. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think I think you should let John take a crack at it from time to time. Um, all right, um, and and one more prescription. Crack is this a good is for word, the listeners. Yes. <laughs> all right, and and one last prescription for the listeners. Um, whatever you do in, in life, um, find ways to make it fun and interesting and challenging, and uh, and and keep learning. No matter what you do, try, always try to keep learning. And um, you know, although we. We all get frustrated with Nintendo sometimes. Uh, you know, the, anybody who listens to this show is passionate enough about Nintendo to hate Nintendo at least a small percentage of the time, and uh, and, and try to keep in mind that uh, that they're amazing and and they make incredible things, and uh, and that uh, th- their goal is to make us happy, and uh, and we should allow them the opportunity to to succeed in that in that capacity. Um, and uh, th- that that's all my prescriptions. Um, I have a couple more things to say, but I think I should hand it over to you guys for the time being. Uh, well, and I'll well, catch maybe, my breath. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe I'll go first since yeah. I've, I've been here for the shortest time. Just... Um, yeah, I, I just want to say that, uh, you know, over as you said, over the course of this week, we've received a lot of emails uh, saying, you know, what the show means uh, to listeners, like what, and a, a lot of them have been saying that, oh, you know, like, th- this show is such a, a big part of my life that uh, I've started my own podcast, you know, like, I, I like what you do so much that I, I wanted to try my hand at and it. And we will and, bury uh, you. <laughs> we will bury you. No, but like this is how that that's my story. Like that's how I I, I got in the show. Uh, Nintendo, uh, like Radio Free Nintendo, was one of the podcasts that was this that I was listening to. Uh, but it's certainly the the only one that talked about Nintendo with the depth that you know you guys talked about it. Like, and, and so you know I I. I myself uh, at some point decided okay like i i want to try this i want to i want to find people to to discuss nintendo with like it's fine listening to radio for nintendo but i i want to find people to to talk about the games that i'm playing to to talk about what nintendo is doing and so i set out and did that with the nickel of world uh podcast and uh it was kind of 
so surreal after maybe a year of doing that, like suddenly getting an email from from Johnny being like, "Hey, uh, so I listened to your uh, your your podcast and it's pretty good." And uh, you know, at that point, I think after that, he asked like, "What's your process for editing?" And I I, I knew what was up, um, but um, yeah, so so it's it's really you know like you talk about the the people that uh, started working on the website because of Radio Free Nintendo, because uh, of what you did. And, you know, that that's me. That I wouldn't be here editing the podcast if it weren't for the, the, the fact that the quality was so high, the discussions were so interesting, the, the, the chemistry between uh, you and James and John and Greg. Um, you know, like, if... If there hadn't, if everything hadn't worked so well, like I, the the I wouldn't be here today. So, uh, you know, I don't know whether to say thank you or screw you, but uh, <laughs> 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 like definitely, like uh, the, the, I'm I'm here absolutely because uh, of you, Johnny. And uh, I was digging through my emails because. I thought maybe I misremembered that, but I thought that you were kind of holding the uh, the podcast hostage as you were talking about how much work it would be to edit and just like, oh, like if you don't say yes, like we don't know if the show can go on. I'm not seeing the proof here in my podcast. Perhaps you were uh, smart enough to 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 keep this uh, hostage thing uh, in. Uh, in Skype discussions, but uh, <laughs> I, I did see here that, uh, you know, in one of the emails, uh, you know, you were saying, yes, you're right to be terrified of, of doing this. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'll understand if you don't want to spend so much time every week uh, doing this. But uh, you also said that RFN turned out to be the best thing that you've ever done. No exaggeration. And, uh, I got to say that that's a pretty powerful argument. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the listeners say, you know, like ask you, like, how come you're leaving? And, you know, they see it as a bad thing. But I think after seven years uh, of so much work, you, you deserve the break. You deserve to move on to something else and apply, uh, your skills and, and your, your passion to, to a different project. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to end this, so please, someone take it up from here. John, why don't, why don't you go next? All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any, uh, you know, grand sweeping prepared statement. Um, you know, I mean, fun fact, I mean, Johnny, he's the one that invited me to be on this podcast, first off. So, I mean, I'd like to thank him for inviting me and letting me be a part of it, because... I don't think either one of us thought how long this would run, how successful it would be. Um, you know, I mean, we've done a lot of crazy things, right? I mean, you know, we had the, you know, the recording in Boulder, the live, the live recording. I mean, we did three panels at PAX, I think. Three? We did four. Did, did we do four? I thought it was three. Uh, I mean. We did four. Because I know but, you missed one, John. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand that the fact that you we even bum. that we even did panels at PAX. If you mention that to people that are game fans that are kind of like outside the sphere, that blows their minds. They can't believe it. They're like, "What the hell? You did a panel at PAX?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I did a panel at PAX." And they're like, "Explain that one." 
you know, and then I go into the <laughs> history of it. I mean, what we've done is pretty monumental. And I thank you for being an instrumental part of that. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, it, you know, our friendship, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. I mean, that's obviously not going to change. Nothing about that is going to change. I don't know. Maybe you better just behave yourself. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like when I, when I heard that, you know, you were leaving the show. Also, like, I, Johnny and I have actually haven't talked about this for anybody, you know, any of our fans out there. I mean, we haven't talked about this. So this is kind of the first time I'm hearing from Johnny on this topic. But then again, I don't really, I, I you know, I get it. I kind of, you know, knowing Johnny, you know, I kind of, I, I wouldn't say I saw this coming, but it, it didn't surprise me when I heard it because, you know, everything, and it isn't from anything that, uh, you know, anything. I mean, I, you know, the, as for you not bringing the passion, I mean, I, I've never seen anything, a, anything indicating that, you know, from my end. Um, you've always been immaculately prepared. You always have a lot to say. Um, you know, you always have opinions no. that, are, that are spot on. Um, you know, it's, so, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like that, but I know, you know, life. I get it, you know? I get it more than anybody. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, I mean, really overall, you know, it's just, you know, I'm glad that you're leaving on your own terms. You know, I think that's that's how anybody should go out of any endeavor that they really care about. You know, go out on your own terms and kind of finish it out the way you want to finish it out. Um, and the fact that you're going to be doing a book on Nintendo World Report pleases me greatly because... I think it's been really important sort of to the Nintendo community, not to toot our own horn, but we're one of the <laughs> longest running sites out there, and it's been entirely a volunteer effort, and I think that's pretty remarkable. I mean, we've outlasted a lot of Nintendo sites that were professionally funded um, and probably written some better material than they have. Um, and we've had a lot of people go on to do really remarkable things, and I think you've been instrumental in that, and I think you've been instrumental in kind of spreading the gospel of Nintendo World Report. So, you know, I think you've made, I think if anything, you've made a huge contribution to sort of the overall internet Nintendo fandom. So, it doesn't, so, it, you know, it, I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, you know, I'm sad that we won't be able to get together on this podcast every week and talk about Nintendo and, you know, joke around and do all that stupid stuff, you know, quote Nate Dog and all that, right? But at the same time, I'm happy. Thanks, John. At the same time, I'm happy that you know you're going out to live life and just do things that you want to do. You know, so you know I'm not sad about it. You know, I'll miss you, but you know I'm happy that you're moving on to kind of do other things that you want to do, and and you're leaving the way you want to leave. I can't really complain about that. So, good luck, man. Thank you for all the time that you put into the podcast. It is appreciated. So I, I, I wanted to go last because of, you know, I'm taking over at the very least production of the show. Um, what hosting is going to look like is, you know, I'll speak about it more next week. <laughs> um, we're, cause the show format is, is, I mean, it's going to be different because ultimately Johnny plays this, this kind of center role in keeping what John and I want to create of a spiraling disaster into nothingness. Oh, I, I mean, happening. after this, it'll be a game show format, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we weren't going to reveal that to the lawyers approved. So, sorry. Um, but I'm I so mean, excited. Thanks, Fana. From a personal <laughs> standpoint, I mean, Johnny and I, I mean, I feel a little bad that, that, you know, these guys, I, I didn't bring them into the loop sooner because you and I talked about it a few times now. 
Um, so, you know, we've had time to kind of, for me to kind of hash out what I want to say to you here. So it's, it's, I'm struggling a little bit to come up with stuff to say. Um, cause I think, I think you first approached me about this God, almost about five weeks ago at this point. And I feel like an asshole that I haven't thought of something to say cause I knew it was coming. But I mean, at the same time, we've, you know, we've talked about it. We've, we've sort of worked out what you were going to do and what we want to do for this, this show to continue. But I can't like, I, it's kind of what everybody said. I really have a hard time imagining that I've been doing this for seven and a half years because it seems impossible. But I know we did it because I can go back and listen to us talk about completely asinine shits from seven and a half years ago. We make forward projections that don't make any sense. Or we talk about a game and we think, oh, this game is going to be amazing. And then you go back three years and, you know, you know it's different. I mean, we've, we there's so many things that stick out to me from the whole timeline of experiences we've had, you know, just random things that I think of. I mean, I, I remember the first time we met when I was, we were at E, God, was, that was, that was the Koreatown hotel in E3. That was just an awesome experience all around. And I remember probably getting ready to die and sitting across this, this hastily reassembled, hotel room that is probably covered in lice in fact the, the upholstery may actually have been lice and <laughs> and us trying to record the first podcast where i'm actually looking you in the eyes after i guess at that point about two years and i've got a fever of about i don't know 102 and i'm about to oh fall gosh, out of the chair I remember this now yeah and and the whole time it's like you want to go you want to go back and just like and just like lie down right now i'm gonna get through this this fucking nonsense right here and I remember just, for whatever reason, that particular moment of all of the years of we've been doing this sticks out. But I think what I was most struck by is, is and I feel a little bad, I may have taken it for granted, is just when I'm reading the emails that we got and people are just calling out moments. And they recall, yeah, I mean, things like 103, obviously, because we just went off. But there's this, you know, there are moments that we used to have these huge long breaks in the show. Uh, between segments we we really cut them down and we recorded them and when i was editor so that actually stopped when i handed over editing duty because i basically said this is the dumbest thing we are doing it's like 40 minutes of dead audio where john comes in and says something dumb and then maybe somebody goes hey is everybody back yet nobody's back okay and then like 10 minutes later is everybody back yet no and then realizing that like, it was just a huge <laughs> waste of time but there would be these moments when i was cutting the show together in there where maybe two or three people were back and it's those conversations that i remember most vividly even though they are among the most distant from from our history because it was that like hey maybe we're not talking about games now. maybe we're just breaking it down like normal human beings and having a conversation that isn't necessarily so laser focused on what we are you know as this show can be and it was like we've had a lot of great nintendo related conversations here but just the stepping back and just, you know, being people who spend a lot of time together ultimately was, was what made that important to me. Is what made me stick with the show. And it's what, as the host going forward, makes me, you know, nervous and excited. And I mean, it's, it, it's a lot to sort of, to approach now that I know this is, everything's going to be the same and everything's going to be different at the same time. And it's, I, the only reason I feel confident in this is because you told me that I should be. Because we had a lot of conversations about whether or not I wanted to do this. 
I mean, do you remember that day you told me? I kept saying, I don't know I can do it. I don't think I can do it. But the confidence that you have and my knowing that you were so good at this makes me feel like, okay, I can probably handle this. Even if I have to get like a shot collar for John, which I probably might. So <laughs> shot collar for me? I mean, a shot collar uh, well, for you. Well, I already have one, John. That's not the problem. Like, I, matching. We'll get matching shot collars. You'll, you'll have to, you'll have to, uh, I, what I want to see is I want to see you exercise the restraint that a host should use. Oh, we're screwed. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I appreciate now, you know, just your role in having that restraint and, and making sure the show stays on topic, that we flow nicely from thing to thing, that one person doesn't dominate conversation. You can, you can jump in at any time. And the skills that that's going to require me to, I was waiting for somebody to make a joke, but nobody did. I feel like an asshole now. Um, yeah, the, pr- the problem is I'm usually the one dominating the there conversation. We go. All right. Somebody said <laughs> I can't it. stop myself. But the skills that that's going to require is more than just, you know, planning a show and, and writing out what we're going to talk about. And that's so vital, but really it's that ability to direct things that kept, you know, it kept the show what it was. It wasn't that we sent out this email every week that, I guess you've got them all in a Dropbox now. That's bizarre to, yeah. to go yeah. in there and look at and go, damn, that is a Dropbox full of show notes. Um, but there is something about it that makes that an art that we're going to struggle with it for a while. And, you know, the, the fact that you have become so good at it at least gives me hope that, yeah, okay, we can, we can make this work. But I tell you, it's, it's, the, it's the most nervous thing I've got about this. So, if, I mean, if you really want to reconsider, I mean, we can have five chairs. I'm sure we won't kill Guillaume that way. I mean, I mean, it'll be a big change for me. I have to talk now. I mean, fuck. Yeah, that's that's what worries me. What the hell am I going to do? John's actually going to talk, and now I'm scared. Uh, I, it's just <laughs> it, it it will be it will be very different. But knowing that you're going to be around and listening to the show helps because you know I'll be able. I know that you'll be able to help us out if we need stuff, and you'll be willing to give us honest feedback and. I promise to actually read email for once if you have anything to send to us. Well, that'll be that'll be a nice change for everybody. Well, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, now that the one person on on our panel with a PhD is leaving, the show will technically be dumber. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually quantifiably dumber. Am I gonna have to finish my master's degree now just to keep the show's uh, intelligentsia I, cred in place? I, I mean, man, I'm gonna have to so go back can, and hit the books. We can invite Karen again. I don't. That's know. true. No, good, good. I, uh, I would not plan. want to be on a game show against Greg. <laughs> I, I've got, I've got, I've got some some game show chops too. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to turn this into a trivia contest because it's, it's just gonna become. <laughs> we're just gonna crib Kohler's podcast and just just keep it on the RFN feed. <laughs> you guys haven't had a question about video games in like four weeks. Look, Crimean War <laughs> is important. You need to understand it. We're gonna have more questions about it. Asshole. Oh, uh, like, well, I, uh, I just want to say just thank you for help getting us ready for this and, and, you know, for being there for all these years and just giving us, you know, this ultimately. Also, unlike John, Carl asked me to be on this show. So if you see Carl before I do, punch him in the face. That's already on my list. Long <laughs> because, on my list. Because I got set up. This one's for San Antonio, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Oh boy! Um, oh man! Well, uh, thank you guys um, for for everything you said and and um, 
for everything you've done for the show and everything you're going to do for, for keeping it going. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I have a special request and I, I think it ties in with some of the things that James said, but, um, um, a special request for the people who listen to the show and who love it, um, who, uh, have been, uh, loyal to it and, and who, you know, who, who care about it. Um, Please give uh, these guys, including Greg, of course, um, your love, support, um, your emails, your forum posts, your your tweets, um, and and especially your patience um, while they recreate a, a new version of of Radio Free Nintendo because um, the show will be different and um, and and what it's ultimately going to become uh, it will take some time to to set up and and it'll take. A while for these guys to settle into a new dynamic and a new chemistry and a new format, um, and and uh, it, it, you know I, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun next week and the week after that, but it, it, I'm sure it'll also get better and better. Um, so please uh, give them a chance to to find uh, a new footing and uh, and uh, and if you've been loyal for this long, I, I hope you'll continue to be. Um, and, and I'll be right there with all of you, uh, listening and, and giving feedback and, and, uh, and, uh, getting excited every time a new episode comes up. Um, <clears throat> with, with that, I have a few final, uh, thanks to, to give out. Uh, so, um, so first off, um, thanks for, thanks to, uh, Billy, Mike, Evan, Stan, and Carl for, um, setting me up to do all of this. Um, I, I literally, I wouldn't be here. I, w I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. I wouldn't be, um, saying any of this if it weren't for those guys, um, for creating the website and the podcast and for asking me to, um, to be on it and, and eventually to, to become the host of it. Um, it was, uh, it was a, a scary proposition at the time and, uh, I didn't really think it would work. And, uh, it's, it's exceeded every dream that I could ever have had for it. And <clears throat> I've gotten, uh, far more out of it than I, than I ever could have imagined. Um, so I, I appreciate those guys, uh, giving me the opportunity. <clears throat> um, I want to thank, uh, all of our friends, our, our guests here on the show, um, the, the artists and the musicians, um, the, uh, the emailers and, and the forum people, uh, Donald for, for starting the NeoGAF thread, which has, uh, has been, uh, amazing. Um, everyone in our, uh, NWR forums, uh, all the cheerleaders who, uh, who, uh, tell our friend, tell their friends about us and, um, who, uh, recommend us to other people, um, who listen to the show and, and, and all the people out there who just silently, uh, download it and and take it in and appreciate it uh, in whatever whatever way that you do. Um, thank you very much. Um, I want to thank Nintendo for being so weird and mysterious <laughs> and, and and enduring and lovable and crazy and inscrutable. Um, I, I think I, I don't think we could have done this podcast about Sony or Microsoft or. Valve or, or any other game company. I, I think Nintendo is the most interesting and the most infuriating and the most incredible and amazing uh, video game company uh, in the world. 
and I've felt that way since I was about five years old. So um, that's why I'm here. Uh, that's why, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that's why um, we. That's why we do this. And um, you know, we can be very critical of Nintendo, but uh, it all comes from a place of uh, of, of deep adoration and, and loyalty and um, and hope in what they're capable of. And um, I, you know, I'm sure I'll feel that way for for, for forever. <clears throat> I'm, I'm starting to actually lose my voice now. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> um, I want to thank uh, every single person who uh, who let us uh, who who decided to to put us into their ears and uh, let us let us talk directly to them. Um, podcasting is a, a very intimate form of communication. Um, especially for the, the length of the shows that we produce. Um, we have spent a lot of time with people. They've spent a lot of time with us, e even though most of the people who hear this have, have never met us, have never seen our faces. And, um, I, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't overlook or take for granted the, uh, the, you know, the, the energy that it takes to listen to us, uh, ramble and, uh, and, uh, speculate and analyze. Um, I, I really appreciate, um, the, the time that people give us to say what we, what we want to say and the, um, the gravity that people, uh, lend to what we have to say. Um, I, I find it very humbling and, uh, I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, all right, one more, I'll get through it. Um, I want to thank uh, I want to thank the four of you guys who are going to carry on the uh, the noble work of of doing the podcast. Um, it's a it's a very intense commitment to to make a, a weekly podcast. Uh, there aren't very many people who pull it off, and um, I know that you guys are extremely capable. I, I and uh, and I have extreme confidence and, and faith uh, that that you're going to do something interesting and fun and entertaining and, 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 uh, intelligent with it. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I love you guys very much. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I'm going to miss talking to you every week. And all right. Give me a sec. <laughs> Woo. Uh. <clears throat> um, I, I, I love you guys all very much, and um, I'm going to miss talking to you every week, um, but uh, it, it helps to know I'm, I'm still going to hear your voices, and um, I'm going to be uh, a listener just like everybody else, and, and I'm really excited for that um, because I love the podcast. Um the time and the energy and the dedication that you invest in the show, um, will inspire me, um, the way that other people have, have been inspired and, um, um, podcasts are, are made of people. And, um, I think you guys are the best people. <laughs> and, um, I'm going to treasure the time that, that we've spent together um, for the rest of my life.
and uh, I thank you for the for uh, for everything for letting me do it. Thank you, man. Yeah, we wouldn't be here otherwise. Well, that's all I've got. I'm a mess. We pro- I, I, I'll, get, I'll make you this promise, Johnny. We I can't not, talk anymore. <laughs> we will not bust on you for at least the first 30 minutes of the next episode. We'll give you that moratorium. <laughs> all right. Uh, Deal. And then I don't promise I'll have any control over the show at that point. Uh, it's 25. <laughs> the insurrection may have already happened. <laughs> okay. Um... James, maybe you should end the show because I don't know if I got it in me. I don't. I'm. 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 I'm kind of at a loss for words. Finally, sure. It, it took. Um, it took a few years to get here, but I can't really talk anymore. No, that's that's fine. So we'll be back next week. Um, for in the meantime, you know, if you have anything you want to say to the doctor here or to us, or you have questions for us, just like always, you can email us at rfn at tenderworldreport.com. I would do plugs, but Johnny, is there anything to plug right now besides the fact we're going to continue to have a show regardless? What do we got? <laughs> uh, at, least, at least that's the plan. We'll see how yeah. the recording session goes if it doesn't turn into, you know, some Lord of the Flies shit over here. What, what did you, do you have? Uh, is there something we wanted to plug? I no. did not. I did not prep any plugs. I think that if people want to keep tabs on uh, Dr. Metz, uh, they can always, if they've got a Twitter account, they can follow at Johnny Metz. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I don't think it has hit me yet that this is like the end of something because uh, Johnny is on Twitter every day. I'm on Twitter every at work when I shouldn't be. And uh, so <laughs> it's still, you know... Still gonna get uh, his opinions. Still gonna get uh, the jokes and uh... no, it's uh... This is how you said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna get his opinions. I will. <laughs> so uh, you know, like this is not goodbye forever. Like this is, uh, you know, right. di- different media, different, uh... and yeah, like we, of course, like we. I look forward to having to edit uh, more of your audio because it's so easy. <laughs> maybe that this show but uh you know in general it's so easy to that johnny he almost never makes any mistakes so, so johnny uh, this is just a question that i got are you going to be continuing crosstalk performances uh yeah yeah it, i mean uh, you know at least for the time being i don't i don't have any plans to to change that so um uh john and i just did a show and uh I'll I'll let him plug that some other time, but um, yeah, definitely. Discover Music Project, Beastie Boys. Check it out. Of course, it was the Beastie Boys. Why did he? Of course, course. it was the Beastie Boys. Check your head gold. Check your. I want to (laughs) say, two two distinct cop the recruit mentions in the Johnny emails, which is baffling because I reviewed that game. But that's the show. Can't can't. I can't I can't believe how good our fans are. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Uh, so yeah, you can catch Johnny at crosstalk.com with a W because Carl can get the D- Carl can get the DNS registered for it probably. And um, we'll be back next week. We'll be joined by uh, Mr. Leahy recording an ungodly hour because that's how much we love this show. So Johnny, I'll be the last one here because I'm the host. I get to do it. Thank you for all the years of being here and and running this thing and making the show what it is. 
and beating John and I into semi-presentable human beings and, you know, just making this show work. And we're going to do the absolute best we can to do that, to do half as good a job as you've done for us. And on that note, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. I, I love you guys very much, and uh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I'm gonna miss talking to you every week. And all right, give me, give me a sec. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, you know, Johnny. I will say the the irony of my life is that while you're saying all this, I've watched my cat take a dump in his box <laughs> <laughs> through the entire fucking thing. You son of a bitch! So, there's, your, there's your stinger. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, it was almost as if it was on cue, so. <laughs> Thank you for letting us be in your ears while this cat takes a shit in the box. Thanks, John. Yep. Oh, God. God damn. That oh. is my life. Ha, ha, ha.